Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Oh, you're fired. You're 100% fired. The show is literally just starting, and Simon is already fired. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. On, this is the mood tonight. So, uh, welcome back, everybody, to another Wisco Fanatics Friday night episode. Uh, we have Simon and Bryant uh, joining us. Also, we have Packers. Uh, writer, uh, specialty, uh, Mike Spofford. Sorry, I'm tripping over my words here. I'm trying to get organized. <laughs> so I wanted to ask you a question. I wanted to start us out with yeah. a question. All right. I wanted to ask you, which celebration was your favorite? Did you like the Tanyan <laughs> celebration? The 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 gritty with, with everybody over the top of him? Or did you like the uh, – which one was I talking about, Tanya? The orchestra? Drake yeah, the orchestra. The band. I was gonna ask. Ja- I was gonna ask Jair, but I was like, "Ah, that one wasn't a touchdown." So let's go with the yeah. orchestra. No, I I love the uh, the the orchestra, the band thing. I thought that was uh, that that was really that was really clever and creative. And I don't know, I don't know if you guys have checked out Packers.com. We actually every once in a great while we get uh, um, we have a production company that we work with that does the Lego highlights. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. awesome. So if you've seen the – we this is the first time this year we did Lego highlights. It was off of the Vikings game. And he actually – the Legos actually have, like, the band instruments in the end zone and everything. It was it was, uh, it was was really good. So that was, that was definitely my favorite. I still wish Aaron Rodgers would have hit the gritty instead of the belt when he ran it in because I think the internet would have exploded. <laughs> oh, yeah, that – that might have that that might have broken the World Wide Web right there. Yeah. I think, yeah. Well, I don't know if the Vikings fans can get any more broken than they are. I mean, have you ever seen a fan base with more excuses, like pregame and postgame? <laughs> I'm I'm like generally curious. Hey, I mean, th- see here here's the thing. Like, if the Vikings want to make if the Vikings want to make excuses about being banged up up front on the offensive line, hey, like they legitimately were and the packers took advantage of that there's no question about that that was going to be when they're down to their third string center and then they also lose their starting right tackle that was going to be a tough game for them to win no matter what mm-hmm. but all this complaining about the surface you know the 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 grass and slipping and i mean did you guys see packers guys slipping and fall? I, I didn't you know i mean Bryant this, wanted to ask you about that so badly I it, thought I this, I heard I heard that you were out on the field with a sprinkler and a hose before the game. Well, just yeah, just the middle. Yeah, of the I'll field become. Court. They'll make me part of a conspiracy theory at, at some point here. <laughs> but I mean, seriously, that I mean, it is standard, and I mean this in all honesty. It is standard operating procedure when teams go on the road and you're you're in a stadium, a field, a surface that is not a hundred percent familiar to you, that you're not on it all the time. I mean, these guys, these guys take multiple pairs of cleats, you know, replaceable studs where you can take out shorter ones, put in longer ones or vice versa. Yep. All that that is that is absolutely standard operating procedure for any NFL team. And if the Vikings did not pack the extra cleats or the longer studs or whatever is part, I mean, that is totally on them. I'm sorry. And they ha- I mean, there is a guy, Shannon Sullivan, good guy, enjoyed him while he was with the Packers. He's on that team. He should have known 
how the surface at Lambeau Field in January, you know, it can be different when it's 10 degrees versus when it's 40 degrees, you know, that late in the season. I mean, all that kind of stuff, the the fact that they weren't prepared for it, that is 100% on them. And the Vikings themselves, the organization, they have put it on themselves. It's the fans who want to complain and say that, you know, that the Packers were up to something and this wasn't fair and, you know, everything else. The Vikings themselves as an organization, they've taken it upon themselves and they said, hey, like we we blew that. We need to be better. I heard Kevin O'Connell, other coaches yep. for them this week say, we have to be better in that area. They have to be more prepared. They, they learned their lesson. There's no question about it. Same There's another guy on their Smith, defense that uh, yeah, like, used to play in Lambeau Smith. Field who didn't like to do handshakes. Yeah, that that too. I wasn't I wasn't going to bring him up. Oh, okay. Right. <laughs> but for I didn't bring him. Well, we didn't on Sunday either. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So we're going to jump right in. Uh, we had a really hard time. So, like normally, we do three stars and an underrated performer. Okay. But we had such a hard time deciding who we were going to pick. So we eventually just decided on doing four stars and we were going to do four underrated performers. And then we asked Mike to join back with us and we asked him like, Hey, you want to get in on this? So now we have five stars and five underrated performers. So we each have one. I'll go first. My star is Keyshawn Nixon. Um, He stood out to me so much, really only had one play, but to me that play meant so much more than just the seven points that it accounted for. It came right after the Packers held the Vikings to a field goal inside the five-yard line, and it immediately flipped the momentum. That's why that stood out so big to me, and that's why Keyshawn Nixon stood out so much to me as a a star of this game. Um, Simon, who is your star of the game? Yeah, I had Aaron Jones. Um, He kind of had, like I guess, a small blemish. He kind of dropped that uh, sideline throw. It, It seemed like it was right on the money, too, but outside of that, Still 111 rushing yards on just 14 carries, and he had three uh, runs over 10 yards, including a 31-yarder. I mean, Aaron Jones, just he's been showing up this year. All right, Jake, who you got? I had uh, Jair Alexander. He uh, zero tackles, zero tackles for loss, zero quarterback hits, one pass defense, and one disrespectful gritty <laughs> getting in the head of – Justin Jefferson, and I think my favorite play, <laughs> this one's like probably not a good one to point out, but my favorite play from Jair was after the interception on from Amos, and he, he touches Jefferson on the back just a little bit, and Jefferson just loses it. That was the point of the game where I'm like, oh, yeah, Justin, just pack it up, buddy. You're done. He was mentally gone at that point, and I knew their offense was shot. It was over at that point. Brian, who you got? So uh, my star was Kate, uh, Kenny Clark, came up huge. I know I called for, in our bold predictions, I said Ingbari would get the strax, you know, sack strip fumble, but it was Kenny Clark that pulled it out. He's been credited from anywhere between like four and seven pressures. And then uh, one of the interceptions, if I'm not mistaken, he was collapsing the pocket too and kind of made Cousins get rid of that ball earlier than he wanted to. So he just had it. it we were calling, I know it's January now, but we've been calling him December Kenny um, since it really started this month and he came up pretty big for us. All righty, Mr. Spofford, welcome to the stars and underrated performers section. Right. Who you got? Actually, I'm gonna throw I'm gonna throw two more names into the mix for you guys. First, I'm gonna say Adrian Amos, and uh, his his interception was just recently mentioned, but it's not even so much just for that play. Going back through the defensive film after the game, when I when I, I looked at all the film on Monday, 
he had a really big tackle on a run blitz uh, where he chopped down Dalvin Cook, like right at the line of scrimmage on a play. Um, you mentioned uh, Kenny Clark with the strip sack. The play right before that was a pass to Hawkinson at the goal line. Adrian Amos was right there to break mm. it up. Incomplete pass. Mm. Kenny Clark gets yes. the strip sack on the very next snap. Um, and and with regard to the coverage against Justin Jefferson with, with Alexander, the Packers bracketed Jefferson quite a bit in that game. And a lot of times the guy who was the, the bracket on the back end, you know, the second guy, call it double coverage. I like to call it bracket coverage, but you know, a lot of times it's referred to just straight as double coverage. Adrian Amos was the guy who, uh, who played a big part in, uh, in taking Justin Jefferson out of that game as well. So, um, so he was the first one, but the other, the other one that, that came to mind that I need to mention, and I was reminded of it because of that certain Vikings defensive player that wasn't really mentioned that much on Sunday, David Bakhtiari came back from, (laughs) <laughs> came back from uh, from the appendectomy after, you know, missed a few games, got in there. We did not hear much from Zadarius Smith or Daniil Hunter in that game um, on Sunday. Uh, Bakhtiari, after, you know, a month layoff and uh, and trying to get back in there, he looked uh, right back to his uh, to his old all pro self. And I think that could be really, really big here for the Packers with uh, with this game against the Lions, and obviously, hopefully, if they win, heading into the postseason. Because when you think about it, when's the last time the Packers had David Bakhtiari for games of this magnitude? You have to go all the way back to the 2019 playoffs for the last time David Bakhtiari was on the field for the Packers for games that meant this much. And the fact that he performed the way he did last week I thought was huge. All right. So oh, go ahead. Yeah. We each have an underrated performer as well. I went with Quay Walker and I picked Quay Walker specifically because I talked about him in the preview last week that he was going to be really important when it came to defending TJ Hawkinson and Dalvin Cook. Um, TJ Hawkinson did have a pretty decent game. He had seven catches for 59 yards. Uh, a solid game, but it's nothing game changing like he had been doing for them. Um, and then um, only three of his seven catches were for first downs. And then Dalvin Cook had nine rushes for 27 yards and two catches for 17 yards receiving. So Quay Walker didn't, you know, didn't do all that himself, but I know he had at least one pass breakup on TJ Hawkinson and he had one tackle that was on a third down uh, that kept the Lions from from moving the stick. So I went with Quay Walker. Uh, Simon, who is your underrated performer? Yeah, I had TJ Slayton. This was his first start in his career and he came up huge. He had two deflective uh, two deflected passes, including one that ended up being intercepted. Three of Slayton's tackles came within two yards of the line of scrimmage, and including a tackle for a loss on third and goal and another for no gain. So he, he just came up big this game. All right, Jake, who you got? I have uh, I have the other gritty twin. I have Robert Tanyan. Um, three catches, 52 yards, a touchdown, and – Wow, he could not have been more wide open. He was so wide open that Rodgers reset the pocket and still was wide open in the end zone. It, that was insane to me. Uh, but, yeah, he he looks like he's back, too. He, he looked pretty quick on, on Sunday, in my opinion. Had to put the Kittle Light jersey Kittle on. Kittle Light, today. baby. Kittle Light. <laughs> All right, Brian, who was your underrated performer? Uh, I had to go with Alan Lazard 100%. So, first two third downs of the game – 
that we had on our first drive. Where does Aaron Rodgers go? Alan Lazard, third and 10, hits him for 14. Third and six, hits him for nine. And then uh, his next big target was after, or right before half, he hits him for 16 yards and sets up Mason Crosby's like massive field goal. I can't remember the last time I seen him kick that length of a field goal. So four of his five catches went for first down. So he just had a huge game for us, really just continues to do what Alan Lazard's been doing all year. So, so speaking of Mason Crosby, <laughs> go ahead. Yeah, Mason Crosby is uh, is my guy in this category. A quick quick side note, though, I actually did some research this week on uh, on Alan Lazard because a fan and in insider inbox asked me to look it up. Alan Lazard has fifty six receptions this year, forty two of the 56 have produced either a first down or a touchdown 42 out of 56. That's pretty impressive. 37 first downs, five for five for touchdowns. So just wanted to throw that in there as a, uh, for for the numbers folks out there, but yes, my underrated performer in this game, I love all your guys' choices, all really good ones, but I'm going with Mason Crosby for a couple of reasons. One, the Packers had elevated Ramiz Ahmed, the kicker off the practice squad, to be the kickoff guy in the game against the Vikings because of Kini and Wangwu and his, you know, dangerous returns on kickoffs. They wanted um, Ahmed to be able to potentially kick the ball deeper. Well, Ahmed ends up getting injured during warmups. And so Mason Crosby during warmups for the game, all he had been practicing was field goals. He was not even practicing getting ready to kick off at all, which then if you saw the opening kickoff of the game ended up being kind of that squibber down the middle and, you know, and everybody was kind of wondering like, all right, you know, what, what's up with that? What's going on? Well, Crosby wasn't supposed to be kicking off in the game, but he ended up having to take on that duty because of a meds injury. And then we saw him at the end of the first half hit the 56 yarder, what I like to call the crossbar clunk. Um, and 56 yards, the longest field goal Mason Crosby has made in his career at Lambeau field. And based on my research, it's the longest field goal I can find that has ever been made at Lambeau field in the month of January. I don't think I, I could not find one. The, the closest one that I found was actually back in the 1994 playoffs it was actually December 31st of 94, so technically it wasn't January, but it was at the end of the season. New Year's Eve of 94, Chris Jackie hit a 51-yard field goal at Lambeau Field. That's the longest one in terms of a late-season playoff, you know, this time of year that I could find that was made at Lambeau Field because the, the other two longer ones than 56 – were um, Josh Brown of Seattle had a 58-yarder and David Akers for San Francisco hit a 63-yarder. Both of those were in either September or October, not anywhere near December or January in terms of being able to hit from that distance. So Crosby making that 56-yarder uh, right before halftime there, that was uh, that was big time. And it's so, incredible to do it at 111 years old, too. <laughs> I'm about to go get so, my Mason Crosby cutout real quick here, man. <laughs> I will say we haven't, as Packer fans, we haven't had like one game this year where we just like kind of sigh of relief. Okay, this is we're gonna win in this game. When I seen that ball hit the crossbar and go in, I was like, yeah. we're winning this game. Everything yeah. is going right for us. So it was such a relaxing second half, and I was like, I need it because my, my heart. Wasn't that play supposed to not happen either? 
Like, I, didn't Matt well, Lafleur say that yeah, it wasn't yeah. supposed to happen? Lafleur said Lafleur said he was talking to to Aaron Rodgers about throwing a hail mary, and then he turned and looked, and Crosby was basically like running out on the field, saying like, "All right, I got this." Like, <laughs> and it. so they just so they just let him, you know, so they let him try it now. I don't think, you know, this time of year, those conditions, I don't think they're letting Mason Crosby try a 56-yard field goal if it's not the very last play of the half because right, of right. the risk of the field position and whatnot, right? So yep. um, so that certainly plays into it. But uh, but Crosby was confident that, uh, that that he could make it, and he, you know, got uh, – Got just enough to uh, to clip the crossbar and and get it over. So um, fifty-six point two yards. That field goal is no good. Yeah, I had uh, I had the same I had the same feeling in the press box. So the way that first half went, and then to see that happen at the end of the half, and it's just like it's like there's no way the Packers are losing this game now. I mean, there's just you know things, all the all the bad things that have happened throughout the course of the year. That was a night that uh, that everything seemed to be going right. All right, so we'll jump into some questions. Like I know I mentioned the the Nixon kickoff return, but what was the play that stood out to you as the biggest shift in momentum? Yeah, I would say I would say it was a combination of of what you had described before. It was getting the the goal line stand after the block punt. I mean, first and goal on the one yard line. You're looking at you know being down seven nothing right there, and the Packers defense gets the stop, turns them away, and then you know, forces the field goal and then Nixon takes the ensuing kickoff the other way. So instead of seven to nothing being down, you're up seven to three in, in a matter of moments. So that that's essentially an 11 point shift. And the other, the other thing for me, why that was such a big momentum shift is because being in the press box, I could, I could feel and sense and hear the, the intensity of the crowd building with that goal line mm. stand first down incomplete pass by the pylon. Okay. You know, they didn't get in on first down second down Dalvin cook gets stuffed. And then, you know, it's like the crowd started to really get into it. It's like, okay, now it's third and goal. got a chance to get the stop here. Right. And then the third down play was where, you know, Slayton just whips the, uh, the number three center who that was his first play of the game. Slayton just whips him, grabs a hold of, uh, of cook's Jersey, Adrian Amos, you know, stands them up there at the two yard line. They get the, uh, they get the tackle for loss on third down and the crowd was really, really into it. And then after the field goal, Nixon takes the kickoff five yards deep. He hits that hole. And I mean, it was, it was like Lambo was up for grabs. And I felt like from that moment on the crowd was into the game was really behind the team. You could feel it, you could hear it. And, uh, and, you know, I, I thought that was just a huge sequence early in the game that just completely turned things around from the press box. Did you see the red sea open as I did oh, on yeah. TV? <laughs> yeah. I was like, cause the camera angle had it straight oh, down it the middle cool of the angle. field. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. no way there's that much room. And you just see him sprint by the camera. Yeah. I was like, wow. Yeah, it was, it was, I mean, yeah. Seeing it from the press box, you could, you could see, you could see the lane that was developing. And then it was like, it, it was right away. It was like, Oh, if he, I mean, as long as the kicker doesn't trip him up, like it's curtains here, he's gone, yeah. you know? And, <laughs> and I mean, and it was interesting cause I, I took a look at it on the film and I included it, uh, included the clip in my, what you might've missed uh, segment uh, with the video mm-hmm. clips from this past week. And there was a really, really good block by Josiah DeGuara in the middle of all that mess. One of the Vikings linebackers, I think it was number 47. He comes in and DeGuara locks him up and just, 
buried him into the ground, yeah. like off to the side, like amidst a bunch of other traffic. Yeah. So that was one thing. And then the other thing was, I believe it was 83 Naylor, the wide receiver yeah, from Minnesota. Naylor. He just completely abandons his lane. I mean, you know, they talk about lane integrity. He just completely abandoned it. And the combination of him going way off to the side because Nixon and Ballantine, you know, kind of started their path that way. So he started to follow that way. Well, he, you know, it's sort of like he bit hook, line and sinker. And then when Nixon cut it back with, with Naylor way out of his lane and with DeGuara just burying his guy, it was like, suddenly there was nobody there. And uh, um, that, that was, that was just phenomenal. I mean, just a huge lane. You could see it that in the last couple of weeks, he was so close to like just cool. taking one to the house and for it to happen. It was amazing. Yeah. So, big moment, one week late. Big moment. One week late on the, <laughs> the opening kickoffs. He's really, really good with the opening kickoffs the last two <laughs> weeks. I'll say that. Well, I, um, I mean, th- there's something there's something about him. I mean, I've, I've watched the film. I've obviously seen him live. There's something about him that that where his speed is deceptive to the opponent because it's, it, you know, he starts out in a certain gear and then there's a moment where he makes a cut. And then finds like another gear that it just seems like the opponent isn't necessarily expecting. And so then their angles are all off, you know, mm-hmm. like they, 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 he suddenly turns what they think is a good angle into a bad angle because he hits another gear with his speed. It's really deceptive, I think, for coverage players and, and, uh, and it's working for him because uh, I think he's got, it's either five or six five for sure, maybe six kickoff returns of 50 plus yards this year, which leads the NFL. And he didn't even have the job until, you know, halfway through the season. So uh, just, I mean, it's remarkable what he's done. So how I compared Nixon is I said, he's like a running back who has great patience, right? Like you talk, people used to talk about Le'Veon Bell this way, where he's very patient. He lets the block set up. And I feel like Aaron Jones is that way as well. You know, Aaron Jones lets the blocks develop. And then, like you said, he can just hit that gear once he sees the hole. And yep. nobody's talking about how good Nixon set up that hole. I don't think people are giving him enough credit, to be honest with you. And and the, the blocking was great. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, right. I just wanted right. to point that out because, in my opinion, I think he did a great job, like you said, setting setting up Naylor, and then, boom, he's gone, right? Yep, I And agree. that kicker was lost. I don't think he had a chance in hell, man. <laughs> <laughs> no. no, that's that that's a that's that's a lonely place for Greg Joseph to be yeah. at that moment <laughs> with Keyshawn Nixon at absolute full throttle coming right at him and joseph has absolutely no help i mean hey, he's pretty much helpless at that point. i would say poor guy he's but he just shrugged him off he just kind of yeah. shrugged him yeah, off yeah, so. yeah that was yeah. that was the weakest stiff <laughs> arm of all time he said, he said bye-bye he didn't lose a snap either no. that was the craziest no. didn't even break oh. didn't even break no. stride no <laughs> so cody said up. nixon has incredible vision and bill said nixon has the footwork of a wide receiver if you watch his cuts and plants he measures his steps Maybe that's why he's advocating to play slot receiver, which after getting banged <laughs> up, I don't think is going to happen. But yeah. um, like, I don't know if it was last week or the week before. Dude. I did explore the possibility, and I brought up some examples of of players that have done it. And there's there's some out there that have done it, but I don't think Nixon's going to get that chance. But yeah, I'll let Jake ask his question. So you already got into it a little bit, but I was just wondering, uh, what are some of the different ways the Packers defended Justin Jefferson? Yeah, I mean, this was this was really interesting to go back and look at on the film because while Jair Alexander certainly deserves a lot of credit for the effort he put in and what he did, for anyone out there who thinks that Jair Alexander just lined up across from Justin Jefferson on every snap of the game, that is not what happened. And, and it was not 
a matter of man-to-man coverage the whole game either. The Packers mixed up man coverage, zone coverage. There were times that Jefferson was in the slot, and then he was actually bracketed by a linebacker and a safety. If you look at the interception by Adrian Amos off the deflection by TJ Slayton, Jefferson's in the slot. He's be, he's actually being guarded by Quay Walker in the front and Amos is behind Walker, you know, kind of reroutes him a little bit off the line of scrimmage. And then Amos is back there. Jefferson slips and falls. And then the deflected pass goes over his head and Amos and Amos picks it off. There were, there were other plays too, where they, they deployed that same uh, linebacker with a safety in the back. There was one play where uh, at least one, probably more than one, where Darnell Savage was actually lined up against Jefferson in the slot. What I really liked about what Alexander did, because he did line up across from him the most, what I liked about what Alexander did is it wasn't just a matter of jamming him at the line of scrimmage on certain snaps. When you watch the film, he tried to surprise Jefferson with the jams. He would be kind of wandering around five or six yards off the line of scrimmage. And then when cousins would get into his cadence, he would charge up and get right in front of him. And then right at the snap, you know, bang. And Jefferson was not, he wasn't ready for that. He was caught off guard by it a number of times. And, uh, and Alexander deserves a lot of credit for the way he kind of played possum a little bit at times and, and, and disguised what he was doing. And as I said, even on some of those ones where he was jamming him, it was actually a zone coverage call, but when you get up and you jam a guy in his face like that, the instant reaction is that it's man-to-man. Well, it wasn't always man-to-man. The Packers were mixing and matching and doing different things. So it was a, it was a very creative plan, and it was a plan that was executed very, very well by the players. How about Preston Smith on uh, JJ on Kenny Clark's strip sack fumble? <laughs> But that, you know, that's, that, that's the thing though. They just, they, they, they kept changing it up. Jefferson didn't know what look he was going to get. Cousins didn't know necessarily what, uh, what looks they were going to get. And uh, you know, for, I give the Vikings a lot of credit all season long. They've been very, very creative in how they've used Justin Jefferson, putting him in motion, scheming him open, all these things. The Packers were the more creative team in terms of how they defended him versus how the Vikings were trying to use them in that game. The the creativity was on Green Bay's side, and it worked in their favor. All right. Yeah, so right. Uh, was this the – do you think this is the best tackling game we've seen from the Packers this season? Oh, if not, boy. what other one comes to mind? Yeah, that's a, that's a, good, that's a good question. Because every time it seemed like there was – every time uh, – Packers player tackled one of the Vikings players seemed like there was like a few guys around like they just swarmed the guy all game yeah I and and I think that's a really good point because I'm I'm not sure you know how I would rank it in terms of a tackling game as far as number of missed tackles or whatever like statistically but in terms of how the defense looked uh the number of players who were around the ball kind of the, the the swarming to the ball as as they say I thought this was uh the, the Packers defense looked the best it's looked in that regard, um, probably all season, uh, it certainly at least since maybe what the Tampa Bay game back in week three. I mean, yeah. you know, when, when they really shut mm-hmm. down Tom Brady and, and the Buccaneers for, you know, almost, almost all 60 minutes. I mean, really 58 minutes there, the Buccaneers really didn't do anything in that game. I thought uh, um, that's, 
you know, the way the Packers defense was flying around, swarming to the ball reminded me of that game. I So I pulled this up. This was a third and 14 play. This was a screen pass that they ran. You can see four Packers defenders ready to tackle him on a third and 14. He wasn't going to get farther than third and fourth and 11. Yeah. So seeing, like you said, that rallying to the ball, that's definitely a good call out. Um, If if this wasn't the best tackling game, we saw the best tackle this season from Quay Walker. I'll just say that. Uh, (laughs) All right. So um, in your opinion – uh, whether it be scheme, player, uh, player improvement, uh, what has the big, the, been the biggest catalyst for like the defensive improvement we've seen in the last month and a half or so? Yeah, I mean, there's, I think, I think there's just been, I mean, the 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 obvious answer is turnovers, right? I mean, twelve takeaways in a span of four games. The Packers had twelve takeaways in their first twelve games of the season. They've doubled that total during the four game winning streak. So then the next question is, well, why are they getting all the takeaways? Which speaks to the question about the catalyst for, for the defensive improvement. I, I kind of go back to what I was just referring to, I think in, in terms of, in terms of the creativity, because we're seeing, I think we're seeing a lot more, a lot more mixing up of coverages, also mixing up, uh, you know, when to blitz, who is blitzing it, it. It's, you know, the Packers are really picking their spots with the blitzes and it seems like they're catching the opponent off guard. And I think that's because they're not necessarily doing it in the same, the same down and distance or with similar personnel than they were earlier in the season, all the stuff that's on film. I think there have been some changeups in that regard. And then the other thing I would say is just the uh, is the communication in the secondary. I mean, mm. you go you go back to week one, and I know week one is week one is week one, and everybody's trying to figure stuff out. But the Packers secondary they looked lost at U.S. Bank Stadium in terms of you know who's who's going here, who's doing this, like how are we covering Jefferson and this guy. I mean, and you look you look at the you look at the coordination of you know, the way when they're in zone coverage, the way they're passing things off, the way they're communicating with one another, they're, they're just, they're, they're just playing at a, at another level right now. And yeah, of course we would have loved to have, uh, everybody would have loved to have seen it, you know, seen that come around a lot sooner for whatever reason it didn't, it took a while they got here now and, and they have the opportunity they have. And, and hopefully it's uh, it's enough to make, uh, make this work. So Bill asked the question. Bill's pretty uh, pretty loyal follower of the show. He asked the question: Has defensive improvement been enough to take the pressure off Joe Barry? That's a really that that is a really interesting question because uh, because certainly after the Philadelphia game, you know the forty points, the twenty some missed tackles, um, you know that that was that was when you know everybody was kind of throwing up their hands and saying you know what you know what what are they going to do here. I think Joe Barry deserves a lot of credit for how far this defense has come in the last month. Um, I'm not uh, I'm not big on making predictions as far as uh, as far as where things are going to go. I mean, Matt Lafleur decided to make a change at defensive coordinator after the Packers went to the NFC Championship game, right? So um, so I, I don't like to I don't like to necessarily you know predict one way or another uh, what might happen here, but I think Joe Barry has done quite a job in turning things around and getting this defense to play the way it was expected to play from the beginning. Um, it is uh, disheartening, disappointing that it didn't show up sooner in the season. I think those are the kinds of things that Matt LaFleur is, uh, is going to, you know, be evaluating 
um, after the season, but it's not something that's on his mind right now because what's on his mind right now is beating the Detroit Lions and uh, and seeing if the Packers can make a run at this thing. So that kind of ties in really well into the next question is with, you know, the last time we talked, we were talking about wanting to avoid the 49ers because they seemed like a, a really just like powerhouse, complete rolling hot team. Does the defensive improvement coupled with the fact that the Raiders just put up 30 plus on the 49ers give you a little more confidence in a potential playoff matchup against them? Yeah, I mean, the, the way the pack, the way the Packers are playing defensively, um, the way they're playing on special teams, the spark that Nixon has obviously provided and the fact that I still think this Packers offense ha- has has another level that it can get to. I don't think this Packers offense is really clicking on all cylinders yet. The last couple of weeks, certainly Miami and also in some moments against Minnesota, they're, you know, they're, they're in close and, and, uh, and not maximizing, uh, you know, some of those drives. So I do think there's another level for this offense. I think all of that combined um, certainly gives you a lot of confidence in, uh, in any kind of a playoff matchup with regard to the 49ers. I still say right now they're the best team in the NFC They're playing like the best team in the NFC, even with, um, you know, the rookie seventh round pick Brock Purdy at quarterback. The fact that the fact that the Raiders were up by 10 points in the second half, excuse me, against the 49ers last week, I think does. Oh, excuse me, guys. That's all right. Wintertime in Wisconsin. That'll get you. (laughs) Um, The fact that, uh, the fact that the Raiders were up by 10 points in the second half in that game, I think definitely changes the view of the 49ers a little bit because they didn't quite look like the juggernaut that, uh, that they had been for the last couple months. And the other thing I'll say, and you never know how this kind of stuff is going to go, but if you're a Packers fan, you're going to dream big. And this is not just about getting into the playoffs, but how far can you go? You know, can you, can you take this thing all the way? If you're going to have to beat the 49ers at some point, if you're going to have to get through them to get where you want to go, do you want to face the rookie seventh round pick in his first playoff game, maybe, as opposed to after he's got one or two under his belt? Just throw that out there for uh, for consideration. It's something to Thank think you. about. Thank I'd you. love to beat the 49ers <laughs> 10 to 7 in San Francisco. <laughs> Why not? I would just like Why to not? beat I would just like to beat the 49ers. Yeah, I'm so sick and tired of those jokes, man. My God. Also, thank you very much. I was literally arguing with 49ers fans this week and I was like, dude, we're gonna have to play them anyways, right? The 49ers are the best team in the NFC right now. So if we play them the first week, we play them the first week. I don't give a crap. Let's let's go, right? So I think the thing that I like the most about that is that we get to go into this game without the expectations of having the number one seed. And I think that's what really excites me about this playoff run is if they get in, they're getting in as the seventh seed. So there's, there's a lot less pressure. And I think that gets the players to play a little looser and not so, you know, uptight, like, you know, we can't screw this up, but it's more like, Hey, we're here. Like, let's just have fun and see what happens. I, I like that, that mindset more. Yeah, you think you think about you you think about say for example the run you know the run the table in 2016 and how the Packers ended up with the first playoff game at home that year, but then they go to Dallas, they're facing the number one seed Cowboys on the road and and you know it's it's sort of like the Packers were playing with house money, right? I mean by that right. point you 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 were four and six, suddenly you've won seven games in a row, you're getting a shot at the number one seed in their place, and 
and sure enough, you end up knocking them out and, and surviving, you know, to, to play another week. So, uh, you know, who the heck knows to me, if you guys read me, you know, me, you know, I'm always, you know, the, the playoffs are the playoffs in the NFL are a total crap shoot. It is a roll of the dice. All you want is to have a chance to have the dice in your hand and you take your, you, you take your shot at it and see what happens. This year in particular, I definitely feel like that. I feel like there's no, like, San Francisco is really good, but there's, I, there's, they're still having conversations about um, possibly putting Garoppolo back in. And I feel like that might throw off the rhythm of the team too, if they do that. So they have some well, questions. Yeah. Too. I mean, I, and, and I think, I think San Francisco has been the best team in the NFC and, and I don't want to take, you know, I'm not trying to take anything away from the Philadelphia Eagles, but even the, the injury to Jalen hurts aside, Look at what's happened to the Philadelphia Eagles defense since the Packers went into the link and put up 33 points yeah. on those guys. That Philadelphia Eagles defense is, has hit some hard times. They're not playing the way they want to be playing defensively here at the end of the season and going into the playoffs. They're, they're Even if the Eagles do win on Sunday and get the number one seed, there are going to be a lot of questions about that team, even if Jalen Hurts comes back and is fully healthy. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I'm glad you brought that up because to me, the most important thing is being healthy. And playing your best football. Like Roger yeah. says, I 100% agree with that. And that's how I felt the 26, the 2010 team was. They they weren't healthy, but they were playing their best ball at the end of the season, yeah. which obviously we know what happened that year. We're hoping for that again. So this one's a little bit of a random question, but I was really wondering, whose confidence is higher, Jair Alexander <laughs> or Aaron Rodgers? I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I've ever come across a player – more confident 127% of the time okay. than Jair Alexander. Yep. That guy, I like, absolutely nothing phases that guy. And that's not to say that I'm not saying that Aaron Rodgers is not a confident player. Right. Like, Aaron Rodgers is absolutely confident in, in winning any game and in, in anything that he needs to do in order to win a game. But Jair Alexander, you know, I think you know, I think the, the game in Chicago that started this four game winning streak is the best example of that. He kind of got caught peeking in the backfield, maybe trying to, you know, trying to jump a route, you know, get a, a cheap interception or something and got burned for a couple of plays over his head. Absolutely does not bother him in the slightest. And then what ends up happening? He gets the big interception in the fourth quarter when, uh, when the Packers needed to try to close out that victory, he just, he doesn't get bothered. He doesn't get bothered by anything. And he can stand there in front of the media last Thursday and say, Justin Jefferson's nine, one eighty four and two from week one is a fluke. And then he goes out there and backs it up. Right. I mean, and he wears a giant so, hat. <laughs> that, too. that too. But no, I, I, uh, to, to answer the, to answer the specific question, I, I've never come across a player more confident in any moment, any situation than Alexander. I love him. Yeah, his interviews are so good. I love I love his interviews. He's a he's a different breed of cat and he's uh and he's quite the entertaining one as well. So that's awesome. Simon, go ahead. Yeah, uh so it seems like the uh, Packers offensive line seems to be healthy, getting healthy and they're kind of gelling at the same time. Uh what other observations have you kind of seen over the last few weeks ever since we kind of started this mini run we're going on? Yeah, I mean, I think I think the um, the fact the fact that guys have have settled into their positions, I think, has has been a big thing, right? I mean, getting getting Elton Jenkins back at left guard, 
letting him settle in there and play a number of games there. As I mentioned before, it's a big help to get uh, to get David Bakhtiari back. Um, I mean, Zach Tom, shout out to Zach Tom, you know, a rookie fourth round pick being able to just fill in wherever they need him. That's been that's been big as well. But I what I really like that that has developed since Elton Jenkins has gotten back to left guard is the interior with, you know, going left to right Jenkins, Myers and Runyon um, just seems like. It, it's it's turned into that uh, a solid threesome that the Packers can do what they need to do, handle things, handle things up the middle. Cause all those guys, you know, Runyon's now in his third year, Myers is in his second year. I think all those guys are playing, are playing really, really well. And then you add to that, that after a month off that Dave Bakhtiari is back at left tackle. And from a game plan perspective, the coaches can go, Oh yeah. Okay. We got, uh, we got Bakhtiari over there on the left side. We're all good there. And having Bakhtiari next to Jenkins, which when you think back to, you know, 2019 and 2020 before Bakhtiari got hurt, that left side of the Packers offensive line was, in my opinion, as good as it gets in the league. And uh, and the Packers are going into, uh, you know, hopefully making a run here with uh, with those two guys playing side by side. You got to you got to like that. Bill said they're getting healthy at the right time and having the late bye. He said that he thinks that has a positive effect on our playoffs chances. And David said we have a stellar offensive line, and I don't think you're going to find anybody to disagree. We actually posted the clip this morning of you when you were here with us last time talking about Zach Tom and all the great things that he's done and, like you said, filling in. And, yeah, that's that's awesome to see, especially from a rookie. Well, and, and and a rookie and a guy a guy who was wasn't drafted until the fourth round. I mean, we're not talking about a a guy that got all the hype, you know, pre draft and gets picked, you know, in the first thirty picks or fifty picks or something like that. This is a guy who was taken in the fourth round, and he's been able to step in wherever the Packers need him to and and perform really really well. I I tip my hat to that young man. All right, so. You kind of mentioned it already. I'll let Bryant ask the question, but you kind of mentioned it a little bit already because you're tremendously good at what you do. So you <laughs> kind of get ahead of some of the Sorry. topics. Go ahead, That's Brian. okay. Uh, so how does this 2022 run compare to what you've seen in 2010 and 2016? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I mean, to be honest, I, I don't, I don't see a lot of comparisons. I mean, I guess I would say this, this one feels more like 2016 to me. Than 2010, I think, because I mean, 2010, if you remember, um, you know, Rogers ends up getting the concussion in Detroit and they lose that game. And then he has to miss the game at New England because of the concussion. And then, you know, suddenly the team is just eight and six and you're kind of right on the fringe of the playoff race and you're not really sure how things are going to go. But then Rogers came back and, you know, and then and then everything kicked into gear. Um, You know, this one the the this one is to me is more similar to 2016 because in 2016 the packers started out you know they're playing pretty solid football then they hit that four game losing streak that dropped you know they went from 4 and 2 to 4 and 6 and the last three games of that four game losing streak they quite frankly kind of got blown out um it, you know definitely blown out by tennessee and washington yeah. in the last two of that four game losing streak and things just really did, you know, really did not look good. That losing streak started with a last second loss in Atlanta. I believe it was Muhammad Sanu caught a pass with like, mm-hmm. you know, 10 seconds left I or something. That. 
Okay, and so the Packers, instead of instead of being five and two, you know, Packers were four and three. And then, you know, that kind of that that started a skid that they were four and six before they climbed their way out of it. This season, you know, I've said this, uh, said this on Unscripted, you know, this week, said it in Insider Inbox as well. The roller coaster ride of this season is almost been, you know, it's similar to 2016, but it's almost even, you know, more up and down in the sense that, you know, the Packers were three and one with a 10 point lead at halftime over the Giants, who are now in the playoffs, 10 point lead at halftime in London over the Giants with a three and one record. And then suddenly it's like the bottom fell out. They couldn't win a game, lose five in a row, ends up being losing seven out of eight. And then on the bottom side of that, you're four and eight with a nine point deficit in the fourth quarter in Chicago to a team that has only three wins when you only have four wins and they need an 18 to zero fourth quarter in Chicago to start this run and then turn things, you know, headed back in the other direction. So the, the swings of this season have been, have been sharper and, and more pronounced. And, and so that's why this one just, this one feels completely different to me on top of the fact that I think this year, more than any other, the Packers needed a lot of things to go their way over the last several weeks in terms of other results to, I mean, I think when, when you and I, when you you guys had me on before, which was before the Rams game, yep. I think if we had said at that time the Packers were going to go into week 18 against Detroit with a chance to make the playoffs, we would have been saying, okay, yeah, they're going to need to win that game and maybe Washington's going to need to lose or maybe the Giants are going to need to lose or, or something. The fact that it got to this point and the Packers don't need any more help that all they need is a win to get in. That's a lot of things that uh, a lot of things that have gone their way. And uh, it just, it, it's what makes this one feel, you know, just completely different to me. Um, at least at, at least at this stage of it. It was the the Christmas weekend. It was Christmas Eve where we were, we were wanting Seattle. We were wanting Washington, um, New York, like all of them to, and Detroit, all of them to lose and all four lost. Yeah, and then the Packers went and beat the Dolphins in Miami right. that yeah. Sunday. Yeah, we were crazy. on the we we were on the plane on Christmas Eve. We're on the plane flying down to Miami on that uh, on that Saturday afternoon, and everybody on the plane. We have the little the little TV screen, you know, in the in the back of the seat in front of you, and and like everybody's watching the games and you know flipping the channels and checking everything out. And it was like we were getting off the plane. I mean, I, not everything was done at that point, but we were getting off the plane kind of going, yeah, like everything kind of seems to be falling into place. If, you know, if you, uh, if we're back on this plane after the Miami game with another victory, all of this looks really realistic all of a sudden. And, uh, and that's what's unfolded. All right, Simon, go ahead. Yeah. So looking ahead to this week's game, obviously playing we're in, uh, winning we're in, uh, what are your keys to the victory for the Packers this week? Yeah, I hate to, you know, I hate to be the guy that that states the obvious, sure. <laughs> but I'm going to, I'm going to explain, I'm going to explain why I'm going with the obvious here. And, and the obvious like is four more points than the other team. Yeah, no, not, not, <laughs> not like that. Simon, but that, was, that was my first one of the season. It's, <laughs> it's the, it's, it's the kind of thing you can say about any game, but I think for a lot of reasons that I'll get into, I think it really applies to this game and it's about winning the turnover battle in this mm -hmm. game. And I say that for a number of reasons. One, 
we already talked about the fact that the Packers defense has, has you know, gotten this resurgence, um, mostly thanks to the turnovers, 12 takeaways in the last four games, doubling the season total from the first 12 games of the year. Um, number two, the Detroit Lions have the fewest giveaways on offense of any team in the league. They've only given the ball away three times in their last eight games, only 15 times on the season. Jared Goff has not thrown an interception since Jair Alexander picked him off in week nine at Ford Field. That's his last INT. Um, so those factors, and then combined with the fact that the Packers lost that game at Ford Field because Aaron Rodgers threw three interceptions for the only time in the past five years. Um, two of those interceptions being in goal to go situations and the other one being in, in a red zone situation. So all of that, that surrounds this game, as far as the, as far as the turnover issue just screams at me that, uh, that, and it may just be one turnover by one team or another um, that, uh, that could decide this thing. And, and I, I, I think the Packers have got to win the turnover battle to, uh, to win this ball game. All right, Jake, go ahead. Ask your question. I know you want to because we, we heard the asked on Monday. Yeah, we heard uh, – we saw Devondre Campbell and Christian Watson on Monday on another show, and they asked okay. Watson this question. And I'm wondering what your answer is. Okay. Who is the fastest player on the team? Oh, if I had to – if I had to guess, I would say – I would guess it's Watson. I think Who's he's, second? I, oh, boy. I said Stokes. I th- I think Stokes is second fastest. Yeah, he might he might be the. That's boy. That's a that's a re- that's a really good. One. <laughs> that's I think one, I think fastest. Stokes. I I I agree with you. I think Stokes maybe maybe is just a tad faster than Savage because Darnell because Sa- Darnell Savage can really run that guy. That that guy's fast. The other one I'd like to actually see. I mean, if you if you line them all up for you know whether it's a forty yard dash or a sixty yard dash or whatever, I'd like to see if Keyshawn Nixon could hold his own against those guys because hmm. uh, he's no he's no slouch in the speed department. But I think I would have to say if I were to pick who I think would win that race, I think it's Christian Watson. I think we kind of talked about this last time too. We said how much how effortless it looked for Watson to just like, yeah. turn it up. Yeah. Dude, he like, he just has that long stride. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When he gets, when he gets going, that, TV. that type, I mean, that type of long stride speed is, uh, is, is very reminiscent of a guy that I grew up watching, which was James Lofton. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, that, you know, when, when, when he gets up to full speed with those kind of strides, it's like, it's like, he's just, He's swallowing up hashes with like one step after. I mean, it's it's phenomenal, and and that's what that's what Lofton was uh, that's what Lofton was like back in the '80s, watching him when uh, when he could hit high gear. So it was really fun. Jake and I went to see Christian Watson and Devondre Campbell at Clubhouse Live in Appleton. Okay, and we have this. So we have the Christian Watson apology form that we made after his huge game in Dallas, and I gave one to Christian Watson, and he laughed. And I got him to sign the other one. So I have a Christian Watson apology nice. form signed by Christian Watson. That is Very one of nice. my exciting prize possessions. But, um, Brian, go ahead with your, your last question, and then uh, we'll get a score predictions, and we'll get you out of here. Yeah, I'm just wondering, uh, is this probably the best draft class you've seen since you've been covering the Packers? I, just the impact they're having this year seems huge. So I'm wondering uh, if you could compare any or if this is the best one. Yeah, that's a that's a uh, that's a good one to think about. 
Um, I would, I would say, I would say in terms of the rookie impact, I would say this one ranks up there. The, the one I would, the one I would probably want to study a little bit more closely um, would probably be 2013 because you had Eddie Lacy in the second round. You had David Bakhtiari who ended up having to play left tackle when Brian Balaga blew out his knee on family night. Um, And then you also had Micah Hyde um, as a rookie fifth round pick in 2013. So the, the impact of those three draft picks in particular that year was pretty significant. So um, I'd have to study it a little bit further to, uh, to really compare, but this one, this one with what, with what, uh, you know, Walker, what Walker has done, Watson, obviously Dobbs in that mix. We talked about Zach Tom, um, and, uh, there's somebody else. Yeah. Uh, and with, with, uh, with Rashawn Gary going down, um, you know, with the knee injury back in week nine and the way Enigbari has developed and made an impact, um, you know, this one, this one definitely ranks up there. Certainly a lot to be, uh, um, a lot to be excited about. And, and with, uh, with the progress late in the season that Devonte Wyatt has made, you know, the other first round pick, a guy who was, who was, you know, pretty quiet, trying to figure some things out, feel his way. We've seen him, uh, you know, make some, uh, make some higher impact plays here down the stretch. And, uh, and that's been big for the Packers as well. David said the Matthews Raji draft, that was what, 2009. Yeah, that was 09. Yeah, that one, that, that one, that one was certainly good. I mean, having, having the two first round picks, uh, you know, end up, ended up making two first round picks with the trade up for Matthews. That was pretty big. Uh, that was pretty big that year. The rest of that, the rest of that draft class though, you know, TJ Lang was in that draft class, but he didn't really become a starter until, you know, about three years down two two or three years down the road after that. Um, so as far as like rookie impact, you know, Raji and Matthews were definitely right there, but I don't recall, I don't recall too many other guys in, uh, in that 2009 draft class that were high impact players as rookies. Yeah, when we're talking about six, seven starters out of the 11 draft picks this year. Yeah. And uh, it's exciting guys that are contributing sure. on special teams that were undrafted players. Like you mentioned Ballantine and like we've seen Tariq Carpenter out there a few times, like, I mean, going even as deep as undrafted players as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I think, and I think in 20, that's the other thing too, why I'd like to, I'd actually like to look a little closer at 2013 because if my, if memory serves me correctly, I think 2013 is when Lane Taylor was an undrafted rookie. Mm. I could have the year wrong on that. But uh, um, but he ended up uh, he ended up making uh, making a bit of an impact that year as well. That's fair. All right. So on this show, we do two score predictions every week. We do one from the head, the analytical one. We do one from the heart where everything goes right. So give us your two score predictions for Sunday's game. All right. Which one do you want first? Head first. All right. Head first, I think. Uh, um, I think the Lions, whether the Lions are playing for a playoff spot or not, they're going to know by kickoff. Obviously, what happens with the Seattle Seahawks, but whether the Lions are playing for a playoff spot or not, I think they're going to give the Packers. I think they're going to give the Packers everything they can handle. But I believe the way the Packers are playing, the Lions have definitely not been the same team on the road as they've been at home. I like the Packers chances here and I will go, I will take green Bay 27, 23. Pretty close to what I have. 
<laughs> All right, what about what about a prediction from the heart? Everything goes right in an ideal world. Yeah, I mean, then then I think you know you're you're looking at you're looking at maybe a a, a game maybe not quite forty one to three in the fourth quarter like last week, but I think <laughs> I think you're looking at a game where where the Packers can you know if things really do go right, and I do believe they're the better team here. I think I think the Packers can be in command of this thing and and uh, and. You know, I, I think they could be strolling out of Lambeau at, uh, you know, 33 to 16. Love it. Well, I appreciate you joining us again. Like your your insights are awesome. And and like the way that you recall everything is, is great. And it's enjoyable to have you on. And we get just more perspective than even the four of us give. So we really appreciate you taking the time to jump on with us again. We'd love to have you back again. Yeah, February absolutely. 3rd, before we play in Glendale. All right. Yeah. You put, put me, put me down. We'll figure it out. I, I, uh, I enjoy chatting with you guys. This is uh this is actually a lot of fun. I appreciate the forum you guys have and, uh, and just the, the vibe and the attitude you guys take to your show. It's a, it's a lot of fun. So I enjoy coming on with you. I appreciate you dialing me up. Thank you so much. Awesome. We'd love to have you back. Hopefully we can, uh, maybe we can have you back next Friday and we'll talk about a playoff matchup. That'd be cool. <laughs> That'd be cool. All right. And, guys. and Jake and I will be at the game on Sunday. So if we could, yeah. we'd love to meet up with you. Yeah, shoot yes. me uh yeah, shoot shoot me an e- shoot me an email. We'll figure something out. That sounds good. All right. All right. Take All right. care. Have Take a good care, night. Buddy. Thank yeah, you. you too. Take it easy. Simon on the big screen. Leave him up there. Leave him up there. Leave him up there. Thank you. No, I hate that. Oh, I liked it. <laughs> Make, him <laughs> Make him uncomfortable. Make him uncomfortable. Yeah, dude. I was I took a look at that. Yeah, he was right about Lane Taylor, and also J.C. Treader was part of that draft class too. That's a pretty Just great class, man. Yeah, now that I'm looking back at some of the draft classes, 13 was a pretty solid one too. Yeah. Dude. I think 13 was when I decided, like, the Packers just take, like, five offensive linemen, and three of them are going to turn good no matter fucking what. No matter now what. You, here come, Now he's got to get all the swearing out that Spofford's off. Oh, it was all pent up. Hey, hey, good vibes. We're chilling. Just yeah, deep breath. Oh, dude, I think he knows everything. I was so nervous. I choked on myself. Crawford knows everything, (laughs) dude. He made me feel good when he said something that I said to a San Francisco fan. I was like, God damn it, I am smart. This guy works for the NFL, and he's saying what I'm saying. 2010 draft wasn't that bad either. Balaga, Neil, Burnett. I think he hit the nail on the head starts. talking about the rookie impact this year, and that's kind of what I was thinking. Yeah, too. yeah, yeah. It's, Particularly the rookie impact. Or the, yeah, I, I don't. I think that's probably as close as it gets. Yeah, I was never a big fan of Morgan Burnett. I don't know about you guys. But... Yeah, we had this discussion. <laughs> I loved mm-hmm. Morgan Burnett. I thought he played pretty well. Honestly, the things that, that Spofford said when he was on with us, the thing that really stood out to me – was actually when we asked him about like when I asked him about momentum mm. shifting and he brought up the crowd noise from first to second to third down on that goal line stand because I didn't I didn't even think about that I was I was thinking like one single play and he actually thought you know he went crowd noise of three specific plays so that actually to me was like something that I didn't really notice at, obviously at not being in the stadium up. yeah one another point he talks about how um on that third down um amos hits him at the two yard line and i think that's where they spot mm-hmm. the ball if that's on the one yard line i wonder if they go for it again and it changes momentum or anything so that's such a big play there too just because i was really surprised they were kicking field goals like all right like that's such a huge win for us there from that that momentum change you know so yeah that's good stuff i like having him on he's a very smart guy 
He knows his shit. Been in the business for a long time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Simon, someday that could be you. Uh, I doubt it. Never be. I, I cuss way too much, man. I, I, hey, I swear hey, way too much. Listen, listen. When he logged off and StreamYard had to pick one person to be the face of the, of the show, face the organization. You. That's true. That's true. I'm sure. It was, I'm sure that's the reason why. I could, I could see Simon, uh, you know, sh- going through the insiders' inbox questions when we're going through a slump, and he would just. He would go off on some of those people. So. I love not that. answering this. You're I, 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 you know you he's are, so articulate you are, about it. You are spelled out. It would just be you are dumb. <laughs> he's so when when dude, I would take all of those stupid ass questions and answer them all. <laughs> I, They've done that. You know, I, I might do that. I'm gonna apply really for a job just to answer those dumb questions. <laughs> just for that do like an insider dumb question answer yeah hey i just love the fact i want to make this point that we're trying to put on an optimistic show when we had him on last time we talked about hey like why you see these people calling for us to tank for a pick why should they not be doing that why should they be optimistic now he comes back on lo and behold we're pl- it's like he made the point we like we don't even need anyone's help at this point we control our own destiny and like that's why I know people want to call it realism and try to poo-poo my point because I misspelled one word and stuff like that on Twitter. But it's like, well, whoever could you is... be talking about? <laughs> I'm not going to say the name. But... I'll say it. I don't give a shit. <laughs> no, be nice. Be cordial. Uh, but uh, like, just having the optimistic view and like, hey, like this is what could. Obviously, we've talked in back channels like, hey, how are we going to approach something if our season does end? What are we going to talk about? But mm-hmm. we're not going to talk about that on the show because. We want to be optimistic and put good, you know, good things into the air and look at where we're at now. We can be, we, you know, the, the main thing is like it's not over until the chances are zero. We dealt with under five percent chances to make the playoffs this year. We got three, that I low. Think, we yeah. got to what two percent chances? Two or three percent, depending on it. Yeah, depending on where you looked. Two percent and change. I it's mean, just too bad we, it's we not bumped up that low. It's too bad our percentage right now isn't bumped up two more percent. That would be perfect. I, so know, like, I saw that too. It's at 67 right now. So. Yeah. Oh, I, I, saw, I, saw, I saw that too. So, yeah. Trending in the right direction. Yeah, I will say, though, <laughs> it, it is kind of nice to see the Packers fan base turn a leaf now that we're in a spot where we could potentially no. make the playoffs mm. again. No, no, no. I <laughs> no. texted so many people after we beat the Dolphins, and I was like, everybody's getting back in the fucking bandwagon. Like, come on. I, I meant that kind of facetiously. Because yeah. like I know the really, second. I'm really crapping oh on the fans God. that yeah. dogged us when we were at four and eight, yeah. and we're sitting on the show like, yeah, things have been disappointing, yeah, but there's still opportunity for this this team to make the playoffs. And look, when Aaron Rodgers honestly, is your quarterback, to be honest, it's not even Aaron Rodgers. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Yeah, this defense has been playing phenomenal. Yeah, special teams has been good minus that block punt last week. I mean, 
and the run game has been pretty pretty stellar. Mm-hmm. So, I I will say I like I just wanted to our horn a little bit yeah. as we're sitting on yeah. here at four and eight talking about still making the playoffs. Yeah, and now we're sitting with a spot where we're we win and we're in. Yeah, at Lambeau. And at I Lambeau agree with you, Diamond. It's not all Aaron, but I, Aaron deserves so much credit for. Like yeah, no, 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 I'm at not the podium. Ask yeah. him at the podium, like, oh, do you think Jordan? No, I, I or we're not eliminated yet. So instilling yeah. that leadership, that's been great. Yeah, I just okay, yes, I agree with twice this. Where yeah. people would ask him questions, where like, you know, based on the guys you have in the soccer room, do you think you can still make a run? Well, like without hesitation, like he says, you're goddamn right, we can. Yeah, things like that, and people still say that he's not a leader. Who was it, Mark Ingram, a few years ago? I think we ain't done yet. That's pretty much Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers actually talked about his leadership on Pat McAfee. I don't remember if it was this week or two weeks ago or whatever, but he talked about uh, how he feels he had to take another level up on his leadership this year. So I thought that was really interesting. But the people that wanted to freaking tank for a pick, and we have Aaron fucking Rodgers, you deal with these jokes your entire life of having generational quarterbacks, only two Super Bowls, right? We have that generational quarterback yet. Why the fuck are we giving up? I just don't understand. Especially when like time is limited. It's not like he's twenty nine. He's thirty (laughs) nine. Right. He's still got the the scoop though. The scoot scoop. (laughs) You know, we don't know how this is going to turn out, but I'm telling you right now, I would trade the last four weeks and the ride we've been on, and to do this again rather than this whatever pick we might would have ended up with, and who knows what player. All day, 100%. Any fan that tells you, no, we want to lose for picks, that's because they have a loser mentality. I would, I would easily take, this take yeah. like, this Sunday night, like, the atmosphere. Oh, this God, Sunday I'm so night excited. And the 20th pick over the last four weeks of what would have been tanking. And the eighth and pick. And the fifth pick. Or fifth or the, pick yeah, yeah, or the eighth pick. Like, easy, like, it's not even really a contest for me, honestly. Yep. No. So Robert said Aaron never gave up, which is definitely true. And Bill said about Mike Spoffer that he seems to enjoy it and it's great to listen to. It's fun for us because we, you know, we try to try to relate what some of the fan base is thinking because we're all obviously pretty active on social media in addition to wanting to kind of have that analyst vibe to us. You know, we want to be able to provide like quality analysis on top of it, but also relate to it as a fan standpoint. And then to have somebody who's so close to the team as actually working for the team come into like our forum. And I think that's what he kind of enjoys about it is that he can kind of be a little bit looser with his, um, you know, with his approach. Sure. Like, you know, it's not as serious because you're, you know, you're just on a, on a sports show and we like to joke around and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, and and like a lot of people idolize like a celebrity or something. Mike Spofford is someone type of person I idolize because that's something like you know, absolutely. like I feel like we can do right here. I'm I'm yeah, not saying I'll ever work for the Packers, but just how cool his job is and everything. Yeah. Like he's he's great. And he's a pleasure to talk to for sure. As we're sitting Dude, in the back hey, chat, fifteen years from now, he says we're not still here doing this show, and we're I don't know, we're sponsored by Culver's or something. I don't know. Yeah, Bill, hey, Bill, no problem for answering your question. That's a good question, and that's why we do the show live, so that we can interact with the people that want to comment on our show, and we appreciate that. Yeah, Bill, you're pretty loyal. You you stick with us on Wednesdays and Fridays, man. That's, that's pretty legit, man. I appreciate that, really. Yeah. What was it earlier in the week? Someone, the beginning of the show and says, What's someone up? kind of praised us a little bit, too. Bill, uh, I will say, 
Watch watching our show is much better than watching the Bucks right now because they are getting their teeth kicked in right now. Oof. I don't know what it is about the Bucks that like teams just decide that they're gonna go nuclear once a year. Yeah, we're gonna hit forty three pointers tonight. You, there's nothing you're gonna do about. We're gonna it. shoot forty one and we'll make forty. Sounds good. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Is it bad? Right. What's the score right now? Yeah, last I saw, it was like one twelve to eighty seven. Yeah, we're it getting was, whooped. It was fifty one to twenty eight after the first quarter. The thing about the Bucks though is they're getting fifty to be points in a quarter. They're yep. getting to be yeah. such a good team that I'm not saying they're cashing in the regular season, but they they're gonna ramp it up once. They, they don't give a fuck. I they don't care until the post all star break. It is literally what January fifth, sixth. It's January sixth today. You think I give a yep. shit that we're losing to the Hornets? No. Come talk to me in April, okay? Then yep. I'll care. Yep. It's a marathon and right. a sprint. So let's get into let's get into some preview. Um Bill said they pulled the starters 127-103. All right. <laughs> My dad said Thanasis just crushed someone. Looking forward to seeing that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Brian, give us the relatively short Packers versus Lions injury report. It is very short. Um, Packers only have one player. It could be a big player. You're talking about, I mean, uh, Spoff talked about the block that he threw on that return touchdown. Uh, Josiah DeGuara popped up with a calf injury. He wasn't listed on Wednesday. Did not practice yesterday, and then he was limited today. So it could be trending in the right direction that he'll get out there. And then for the the Lions, they really no big injuries. They have Jeff Akuda, who's been benched recently, uh, Ragnow, and Deshaun Elliott, who is actually kind of talking smack about Aaron. Um, all are questionable, but I think all three of them will play. So. Bro, that that thing he said was so stupid. Yeah, yeah. He, like Rodgers has came out and praised the Twitter, Lions, and they were like. Like trying to, um, somebody said like they're trying to like fake hype themselves up. Yeah, it's like it's so like they're desperate for motivation. It's like yeah, it's kind of what it felt like. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> of you want to give Aaron Rodgers bulletin board material? I, that that's your prerogative. <laughs> you know, I've True. always wondered that, Brian. Now that you brought that up, you know, you got the these great athletes, right? And they're all great athletes on NFL teams. But then you have the all time greats, right? And Rodgers is definitely in that class. Why would you piss him off? Yeah. Like, why would you give he him a reason the ultimate, to your ass? He's the ultimate, like, chip on your shoulder type of guy. 100%. Yeah. I guarantee do that belt. dude's getting a touchdown. Don't do the belt. Over don't that. do it. Just don't God, do the belt. I hope, I hope what happens last week to the Minnesota player happens this week to that dude, where he just bites on a pump fake and Rodgers runs it in for a touchdown and does the belt. <laughs> I would die I laughing. Have, like, if I could rewrite history it would be aaron Rodgers pulling the gritty when he ran that one in because i literally <laughs> think everything would have just like melted Bruh. it would have been so crazy dude dude could you that imagine? would have been dude Vikings that would have probably been my all-time favorite Rodgers moment if he did that. yeah 100 all, all time all that's time. close even oh, more God. than the i own 39 year old aaron yeah. Rodgers doing a fucking tiktok dance dude. i mean last year when Rodgers. <laughs> When he pumped fake Jalen Ramsey and he ran into the end zone, Ooh, and then he was talking one. shit afterwards. That was a pretty lit celebration. I won't lie. Yeah, that, he was but that would have been my all-time favorite. Could you just imagine Aaron Rodgers doing the gritty? Like, Lambo <laughs> would have exploded for one. Dude, imagine he does the one where he fakes the hammy injury. No. Oh, that would have been good, too. <laughs> what if I he faked the thumb injury? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> So, oh. I put up Robert's comment for a reason. Robert said, I hope Elliot plays. I want him to. So do I. So now this is an opportunity we have where we can be mature, but also rivalry oriented at the same time. So Elliot's listed on the injury report as being limited in practice. And 
we can get to a point where we want this guy who's potentially injured to play, like we want him to be healthy enough to play, and then we want to score 10,000 points against him. Yeah. Like that's that's how we want it to be. We want it to, you know, be about the competition, not about injuring somebody or having a guy hurt because it is still a person. Like he might be a dick, but like he's still a person. Yeah. You know what I mean? So at that point, it's like, you know, we're playing a football game, like, let's go beat them 41 to 3. Which I've I told a bunch of people, like Vikings fans, I'm like, like the Vikings lost by 38. I don't give a shit yeah, about two yeah, yards. I don't give a shit about that. Against Valentine, who only plays special teams for us. Yeah. yeah. Um. <laughs> my dad said Angie loves Showalter doing the belt move in front of Rodgers. I mean, that's still fun, but don't do it if you're on the opposing team. I agree. <laughs> All right. So Simon, talk about the Packers moving to the Sunday night. Yeah. All right, so I've kind of heard this preemptive stupid excuse where if Seattle wins, then that's going to make Detroit not play as hard. That is bullshit. Yep. Dan Campbell has that team fired up, and they're going to come. Even if Seattle wins and Detroit no longer is playing for a playoff spot, that they're going to try to ruin our season. Absolutely. That is a BS excuse. A, well, just a stupid excuse. I mean, what would be the second best thing for like the Detroit, other than making the the playoffs? Hundred yeah, percent knocking chances. the Packers out. Yeah, it would be keeping uh, a rival out. I'll yeah. say this: I mean, as a young team, you're learning how to win. I mean, just just thinking about building blocks and learning how to win. Having a, a season over 500 is a big thing for yeah. a young team. So, and they're what like I think they're like the third or fourth youngest team, like on average in the NFL. Mm-hmm. So. You know, having a season over 500, not even like keeping us out, which would be the cherry on top of them, but right. learning how to win would be something that could be good for the Lions, you know. Well, on lock on that point, too, like, you don't – we know the atmosphere that Sunday night is going to be. Like, Floor has said it. Jair has said it. Rodgers has said it. Like, they want the stadium to be loud. Like, if the Lions could win that game, like, that – just think about, like, what that could do for Lions players' experience. Like, we talked about wanting to get into the playoffs even if – it doesn't result in a Super Bowl. Like we want to be in the playoffs for Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson to get playoff experience. Mm-hmm. These guys that haven't been in the playoffs yet. Oh, Kinsley Anybari get some playoff experience. Devontae Wyatt and Quay Walker to get playoff experience. Like we want these guys in the playoffs so they have experience in it. Like we like Jake and I dealt with this with the Bucks for years. Ugh. Like from 2018, 2019, 2020, they they built out that playoff experience, experience, experience. That shit matters. It does. You know, nobody's coming off of a a 20 year playoff drought or however long it's been for the Lions, and just going Almost straight 30, to the Super Bowl. Like, playoff experience matters. So that's that's something that I would bring up too. But you know, like this, even if the Lions don't have a chance to get into the playoffs, the experience of going into Lambeau Field. On a Sunday night in January, where the Packers are playing for a playoff seed, why would the Lions not want to win that game? Like, think of what that could do to their confidence going into the offseason, even if it means that they're not getting into the playoffs. So also, I argue that it's, the, it's the other thing that, that they wouldn't want to win. The other thing, too, on top of that, even if they didn't have a spot for the playoffs, the players are still playing for tape for next year. Like this is also a job interview for them too. So that's why I never agree with the players tanking theory and shit. The Mm. players are still playing for a roster spot next year. Mm. They have to throw something good on tape that the team sees that they want to keep them. So 
that whole if Detroit doesn't have anything to play for and they lose, it's because they didn't have anything to play for. Thing is stupid to me. It doesn't argue, make any sense. You can argue the they'll be more. You can argue they'll be more dangerous if they know they're eliminated. Because one, yeah. they have no more pressure. Two, they're probably mm-hmm. going to be pissed off, so they may be playing angry. Yeah. Three, they'll be playing recklessly, and they might be going for every fourth down and stuff like that a little yeah. more recklessly. Like it could make them more dangerous if they know they're eliminated. So um, the fact that's that people fair. think they're going to see them lose and all of a sudden be all down and not want to play, I just don't agree yeah. with it. Well, it's also, too, we, like, oh, okay. sorry, go ahead. Uh, they're like these are all professional athletes too. Like you know how mentally tough like world class athletes are. Like these are the best of the best of the best of the best football players. You know, they were all the best at their, you know, their high schools and then they went into junior college and then bigger colleges and now they're in the NFL. And you know, they're not practice squad guys. These are all NFL football players and they all have that mental toughness. Like they're not going out and being like, yeah, well, we don't have a chance to win. Like some of them might, but you're not talking all 53 players on that roster are going into this game being like, Oh, we have nothing to play for. So we'll just mail it in and then, you know, go on a beach next week. Some like, of them are probably playing for incentives too. I don't know. I don't, obviously yeah, exactly. I don't know their contract. That's, that's what I was too. saying. Yeah. You know, Jamal yeah. Williams so has an time. incentive. Yeah. If, if he scores two touchdowns, he has the, the most rushing touchdowns in a season in lions history. It's pretty big yeah. when Barry Sanders is one of your running backs in your history. So I was going to add um, on to Bryant's point. I remember last year when Detroit didn't have anything to play for in week 18, and neither did we really. They were pulling plays out of the bottom of the playbook mm-hmm. that you would never see in like a normal game. Yeah. And it was working for them. That's so if, if that's true, then that's something that they could pull out to try and you know ruin our shot. Yeah, true that. And that's – yeah, that's pretty much what it is too. Like you're looking at plays and maybe they'll keep in next year's playbook. Yeah. Um, so my dad asked if they have any injured players that they might sit if the game doesn't matter to them. Simon or I mean Bryant, I don't know if you really if you got that vibe from any of the injury report stuff, if they would hold guys I, out if they're I, not. I didn't see much. The only one I could maybe think would be Frank Ragnow because yeah. he did he was did not practice, did not practice in limited practice. And obviously he's a an amazing center, so maybe they're like, Hey, we don't want like we want to just get you into next season, but if they do that, you're looking at putting a backup against Kenny Clark, and then you're putting Goff and everyone else at injury uh, risk. So, really, maybe Okudo because he was benched last week. I don't know if his play has been that bad. I haven't followed him that closely, but he was only played 17 snaps last week. Um, so maybe he hurt his elbow apparently late this week. So it's possible they could bench him, I guess, but I don't think so. Um, the other player um, was been limited all week, so. All right, Simon, talk about red zone offense. Yeah, so I've pretty much hammered this the last three weeks, but I kind of want to highlight it more this week considering what happened in the last Lions game. So last time the Lions versus Packers, we specifically lost due to inability to score on the, in the red zone. So the last time we made it to their one-yard line, five-yard line, 17, 22, and 38, and came away with zero points. That's just absolutely disgusting football. And that might have been probably one of the worst Rodgers games we've seen in his career. I'm still um, mad at Kirby Joseph. I don't give a shit what anybody says. I'm still mad at him for tackling Romeo Dobbs at the ankle. That still yep. pisses me off. I don't remember that play. I'd have to go back. It was, it was like one of the first, first plays of the game. First yeah. play of the game for offense yep. for the Packers. He dove like directly at his foot and that his mm. cleat like stuck in the turf. Like, a, and... like an 18-yard catch and he dove right at his ankle. 
Okay. Yeah, I'll have to go back and that look. But... irritated the hell out of me because I was... So, yeah, we can't have something like that again. And it seemed like the Packers were moving the ball like pretty well throughout the game. And then we just couldn't put it in the red zone uh, or in the end zone for whatever reason. I mean, Rodgers' three turnovers doesn't help. Um, and then we only ended up losing by six points. So if that's we even, frustrating part. yeah, it, that's the most frustrating part is the defense did its job all day mm-hmm. and the offense just screwed them. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking for, I'm looking specifically for red zone off, uh, offensive efficiency. I just put points on the board. That's all I want to see. All right. So that said, specifically 41. You're watching. Are we Seven. skipping everyone else? Or are we just that's nope. that's pretty much the only offensive topic we have. The rest of them are kind of mixed in. Uh, with other things. Uh, okay, okay, we'll get it. We'll get it. Just do let's let's get some matchups. Simon, what, what's the matchup you're watching from? The yeah, uh, it's just uh, I like how our offensive tackles are playing. It's good to have David Bakhtiari back. Mm. I'm curious at what we're gonna do at right tackle if we're gonna leave Tom in there because I think Nyman started the game last week, but he didn't finish it. But they also came out and said that he could have finished it. So it'll be interesting to see who starts at right tackle. But uh, Aiden Hutchinson and James Houston are playing really good football. But you got the same thing? No, no, no. Keep mm. talking. Just keep talking. <laughs> <laughs> They're playing really good football. So I'm hoping what we did versus the Vikings happens versus the Lions where the tackles just play lockdown football. Well, right. just comes well, away with a clean jersey. My my matchup that I was watching were the Packers tackles versus Aiden Hutchinson. So thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he was kind of a game wrecker in that first matchup yeah. with Detroit. So whoever it ends up being a right tackle, like you said, between Nyman and Tom, honestly, I'm fairly confident in both of them. So whatever whatever the Packers decide to roll out with, like, I'm fine with it. Um, and then David Bakhtiari at left tackle. People still – like have trouble giving him the credit that he's due. It's so like, weird too. They all the it's. I don't want to say it's a losing battle because I know our goal is to change people, change you know mm-hmm. minds and stuff like that. But uh, and perspective. But right. no matter what they say, unless we go and win the Super Bowl this year, we could go win a Super Bowl and they would still. Well, if they if David Bakhtiari didn't tear his ACL, we would might have won another one. That's like some. I, mean, people I, just, I also some people just have that. I mindset. agree with that. Yeah. Well, he's I been agree. out for five years. But, if if yeah, he's been, if yeah, Bakhtiari he's didn't tear his ACL that year, I think we we're gonna go to the Super Bowl. I agree. I mean, but I agree I with that too. But we, I'm not looking at the past. Okay. No, yeah, I know. I just wasted energy at this point, yeah. and that's kind of what I'm gonna talk about with when we talk about Kijan. It still Nick hurts later, man. but it's it people are being like too. Like, but I also don't claim the. I don't. I also don't put the blame on Bakhtiari. Right. It's just a free accident, and I'm not mad at him for it. And then an emergency. I, I think that's that. where the misplaced kind of anger that you see out of Packer fans are, is they, for some reason, feel the need to blame him for the way his treatment of his ACL went. Mm-hmm. And that's why I to begin think. with. Yeah. Right. And and then like getting mad about his contract when it was signed before the injury. And people don't understand that you sign a contract for the what you've played up to the point, not mm-hmm. what you're going to play mm-hmm. after. They kind of, yeah, they kind and of. He was, he was all pro t- uh, tackle. How nice. are you not going to give him the money that he deserves? Yeah. And honestly, like I said, I'll stand by this too. Like before his appendix injury, I said if he plays the rest of the season healthy, he's a Pro Bowl left tackle. Yep. 
Um, and I stand by that. Like, you know, we're, if you know, he didn't deal with the appendix injury, which could happen to literally anybody, which like we had Spofford on before the Rams game, he had his appendix removed earlier this season. So it, it can happen to anybody. Um, so getting mad at him for that is weird, but Bryant, what's a matchup that you're watching for the Packers offense? So for the offense, um, I'll be watching. Let's see. I have a Christian Watson versus Jerry Jacobs. Uh, I think that if the Packers can get this matchup, it can bring a big mismatch. So Jerry Jacobs has a has had a, he's had a good season, but he's only five eight and he ran a five four five eight. So and I already talked about Okudu getting benched, so I don't think they're going to travel Okudu with Watson. And then you have Will Harris, so he is six one. And he's ran a four four one speed, so he would match up with Watson a little bit better. But um, Will Harris has also given up nearly five hundred yards and seventy percent completion rating. So I'm just I. The reason I'm watching this matchup is because I think we're gonna run the ball a lot, and I want to see if we can beat them deep on a play action play. Maybe some of those fake jet sweeps that they like to run with Watson too. Could you imagine Christian Watson having a six inch advantage and being faster than the guy guarding him? It's going to yeah. happen quite a bit, in my opinion. All right, Jake, what's the matchup you're watching? First of all, Bryant, I'm going to tell you right now, it's Okuda. Oh, I'll so you know, whatever. I love you very much. I'm just trying to help you. Yeah, because he's I thought you were going to call him Oduki. Dude, I was like, at first I was like, who's he talking about? whatever. I was like, Oduki, call him his nickname, Bryant. I dare you. He's Oduki. There he is. Um, uh, Robert Tracy Walker is a safety, I believe. Yeah. So. yeah. So mine is Aaron Rodgers versus the Lions, which sounds really, really stupid, but let me explain. First Very of all, generic. Their players are talking out of pocket. Their fans are talking out of pocket. They're acting like they're Super Bowl contenders. I mean, they're talking about biting off kneecaps. They're on HBO. Yes, the Lions are exciting and they're up and coming, but we still have the bad man. I think you guys forgot that this is still the reigning two-time MVP. This is still one of the best quarterbacks to ever play in the NFL history. I mean, to me, like you said, a lot of stuff was mentioned before. Um, well, Simon was talking about it. Um, I'm just going to say, man, you, you put a chip on this guy's shoulder, and you better watch out. And Stephen A., by the way, you guys see what he was talking about today? Bro, that was so stupid. He was talking about he hasn't had a 300-yard game. I don't give a fuck about yards, okay? I, I really don't. He's don't. leading us to wins, and he's been a great leader in a season that has had tremendous up and downs. I really don't know how this season turns out if we don't have that type of leadership in this locker room. Picture picture us having Derek Carr instead of Aaron Rodgers. Oh, you mean the guy that's like, oh, I got benched? I think I should stay home. Yeah. Was that a mutual agreement? No, come on. No, okay. It was, was mutual, but you know he cried. He's like, oh, you're going to bench me. <sighs> I also really don't understand that move. I don't understand I don't it either, but after I saw their backup quarterback. It's because if they – so if he would have got – if Derek Carr would have got hurt, the, the Oakland would have owed him $40 million guaranteed. Vegas. Okay, but – Whatever. <laughs> okay, Trash but team. they were still in the middle. They could have still made the playoffs. I think they're out now. I'm pretty yeah, sure. Dude, they should yeah. have made the playoffs already, dude. You know how many freaking 10-point leads that team blew? Mm-hmm. All of them. The Ravens? Yeah, like four or five, dude. It's insane. That is a it bad wins. team. I don't care what anybody says. You don't blow that many 10-point leads without being a bad True, team. True, but how do you bench your starting quarterback when you still have a shot at the playoffs? Because they don't want him next year. 
which is exactly what Brian. I don't know. Ask the Washington Commanders. Dude, when they started (laughs) wins, I was like throwing a parade. I was like, thank you. I will take the playoffs. He threw two picks on his first like six passes. Yeah, it was bad. Dude, the first drive, he throws a pick, and I was like, oh, fuck yeah, we're going to the playoffs, baby. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We still got to take care of business this week. But yeah, Yeah, I know. I know. Talk to me about the Lions offense. Yeah. So the. If you thought the Vikings had some good offensive firepower, I think the Lions have just as much. I, I mean, obviously, I think they're a little deeper. I don't think they're at the yeah. Okay, so that's kind of what I was going to say. Is I think like deeper. Justin Jefferson is obviously a top tier player in the league, in the whole league, out of every player in the league. But I would argue that the Lions have just as many pieces that could get going. Uh, Jamal Williams, uh, Jake brought it up two more touchdowns. He beats a single season record for the Lions. He's coming off a monster game in uh, versus Chicago. Um, DeAndre Swift isn't a slouch either. He's had 27 receptions over the last five weeks and five total touchdowns. So he gets really involved. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown's having a really tremendous season over 100 catches and 1,100 yards. Takes a lot of underneath stuff which opens up DJ Chark to have that down downfield stuff. Since week 12, DJ Chark's had three games with at least 90 receiving yards in week 13, 14, and 16. And obviously getting Jamison Williams back, I mean, I'm not putting him out of it. He was one of my favorite receivers coming into the draft, regardless of his injury. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, he's made a couple splash plays this year. Um, we'll see if the Lions integrate him in the offense. And the Lions' use of the tight ends in the red zone is huge. Uh, I think they have their three tight ends have a total of seven touchdowns or eight touchdowns. I have to go back and look. And two of them are so, rookies. Yeah, and two of them are rookies too. Good point. So the defense is going to have to step up again this week. And they also the Lions just have a better offensive line too. Yep, that's going to be in one of my their their tackles are both though. top tier with uh, Decker and Sewell. And then their center is uh, Ragnar is really good. Their guards are a little ish, but I mean, they're good enough. So that D line is going to have to step up. All right, Bryant, how do the Packers beat the Lions? All right, so get ready for a smorgasbord of stats here. I'm just meeting you. Charcuterie board of stats. All right. All right, so for the so on the defense, I'll get a rattle off some defense stats first. Um, Lions are giving the most yards per game this season, which is uh, 249 yards passing and 149 yards rushing. They are giving up the third most yards per game um, uh, passing, which and the highest average for attempt. And they've given up 25 passing touchdowns, with the seventh worst in the league. Uh, for the rushing, they're fourth worst yards per game and the second highest average at 5.3 yards per carry. And they've given up 22 rushing touchdowns, which is the third most. And they're also giving up third most points per game at 25.7. So they do have 37 sacks, but that's pretty bottom half of the league. That's bottom half of the league. Um, they're third worst at allowing third down percentage. They're, they're allowing teams to complete uh, third down 45.8% of the time. Uh, the one thing they do have going for them is a plus five uh, turnover ratio. Uh, but I think that has a lot to do with their offense protecting the ball rather than their defense taking the ball away. So now on offense, just as bad as their defense is, their offense is almost just as good. Um, so their third most yards per game, sixth most passing yards per game at 253.9, uh, 11th most yards per game rushing at two, well, 125 a game. 
They have the fourth highest scoring at 27.1 points per game. They do have the fifth most passing touchdowns at 29. The second fewest interceptions in the league at seven. Uh, Goff is having a crazy good year. Probably a lot to do with that offensive line and those weapons. Um, they have the third most rushing touchdowns. They have a respectable 41.2% percentage on da- uh, third down. And the big thing is they've given up the second fewest sacks in the league at only 23. Mm-hmm. Um, Simon talked about their weapons. They're very balanced at wide receiver. They have four wide receivers with 450 plus yards and two tight ends with four touchdowns each. So, um, and then that's before you even start talking about Swift and Williams. So the thing, uh, and, and Spoff actually talked about this. He hasn't, uh, Goff hasn't thrown an interception since November 6th against us. And he's thrown 15 intercepts or touchdowns. So he's gone 15 and no. So the one thing I want to bring up though, and it took, it did take some digging because I'm like, man, where's this weakness? How are we going to beat these guys? Uh, Goff has only thrown six touchdowns and four interceptions on the road. And three of those touchdowns came against Carolina. It was a cold game, so he's showing he can throw the ball on a very cold game. But he has six touchdowns on the road and four interceptions. And their points per game dropped to 19.2 on the road. Also, How cold, uh, how cold was it in Carolina? It was in the 20s. Okay, well, the real f- before we get there, it's going to be eight degrees in Green Bay, dude. Perfect. So, uh, for to beat them, so I think we need to run the ball and, to, and control the clock um, and keep the offense off the field. In their eight losses, they have lost the time of possession battle in six of them. In their eight wins, they have won the time of battle possession in six of them. Um, this will probably be the best line we've seen uh, since the Eagles and probably all possibly all year we played against them. Um, so we need to be prepared to stop the run. And if when we get if and when we get a turnover, we need to capitalize. So I will say six of seven Goff's interceptions have come in a game they lost. So he's thrown an interception in five of their eight losses. So that's a that's something we can look for. And then um not saying we couldn't win a shootout with this team, it's just not the game we want to play with them. I think if mm-hmm. we can win the turnover battle, or excuse me, um, well, win the turnover battle for sure, but if we can, you know, pick him off once or twice and then protect the ball and win the time of possession. That should be that's my key to victory there right there and how we beat them. So all right. So Bill kind of touched on it already in the comments. He said the they need to find a way to disrupt Goff. And you know, I'm watching like I was re-watching the game on Tuesday, and like I want the Packers to defend Jared Goff the exact same way they defended Kirk Cousins, where they're gonna do a lot of like Mike Spofford said it blitzing in in unexpected times and, you know, down in distance situations, stuff like that. Um, only rushing four a lot. That's what a lot of the Packers rushes on Sunday were only four man rushes because you're, you're playing against their secondary. Now the Packers have to be just as careful with the Lions backfield as they were with the Vikings backfield. Cause you're looking at Jamal Williams and Deandre Swift instead of Dalvin cook. Now, we're going to have some of these situations. Kirk Cousins did it twice where they're going to find some big holes in the offensive line and they're going to be able to run for some first downs. That's that's the stuff you live with. I will live with Jared Goff rushing for two first downs if it means holding him to 12 of 25 passing. Merry Christmas. So, yeah, I will live with that. Um, Jake, what are you thinking about the safeties? So people have been talking about the improved defense, and the thing that they're really not bringing up is over the last couple of weeks how the safeties have played really, really well. And actually, Tyler, I talked to you about this when we are hanging out on Monday. Um, mm-hmm. I was talking about how Adrian Amos is just freaking flying around everywhere, man. Um, he's making like those tackles where 
It looks like it's going to be a big green gain up the middle. The running back looks like he's wide open. Adrian Amos is like, nope, you're going to get eight yards. I'm going to smack you right here. And it's just like, holy cow, he came out of freaking nowhere. This guy was 25 yards down the field. He meets him right here, you know? Yeah. Wanted to give a shout out to, to Darnell Savage on that return. Yes, he looked like an amazing athlete on that. Um, shout out to Douglas for getting the tip on that. Mm-hmm. He was the one that that got the the tackle before that, I believe. If I have if I have my memory serves me correct, he got the tackle before that, and then they went for it, and he got the tip. And Savage looked like a boss on that return. Uh, Amos Amos had a pick. I mentioned him already. Um, he had a pick, and then it led to Justin Jefferson uh, almost decapitating a ref. So that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Ford had a pick, and I wanted to give a shout out to Ford because that play was just. He he did a he did a great job, and I'm gonna make Simon laugh now. He did a great bait job, um, <laughs> and he just he looked like a like an athlete on that play as well. Good read from him, good play from him, and uh, I just want to say that the safeties have really protected deep, really really well, and they're very very sure tacklers the last couple of weeks. So we're gonna need that to continue. Um, I was actually going to talk about DJ Chark, but I switched my defensive matchup. But DJ Chark scares me a little bit in this game. Because he has been going deep, and he's been very, very good the last couple of weeks. So who is your matchup to watch then? So I was doing some research. I was actually shocked when I saw the stats, right? So it's going to be Quay Walker and Devondre Campbell versus Swift and Williams. So when you look at Williams, he has 246 attempts, 994 yards. I am cheering for him to get to 1,000. I think he's going to get six yards. Um, he has 15 rushing touchdowns, which leads the NFL. He only has 12 catches for 73 yards, which really shocked me. That shocked because, me too. Because he's a, he's a, can catch the ball. He's very yeah. good at catching the ball. And then you looked at Swift, and he has 93 carries, 517 yards, five touchdowns, 41 receptions for 325 yards, or 28, sorry, and uh, three touchdowns. So Swift has kind of been the second best running back, in my opinion, on this team. They're kind of using him to – Definitely to, been the you know, second healthiest. Like we like Tyler, you brought up uh, uh, handing off the ball by throwing it, basically, right? And that's mm-hmm. basically what DeAndre Swift is for. running through so, the air. Yeah, so running through the air. I was having a brain fart. Thank you for the assist. So Quay Walker is going to have to be on Swift, in my opinion. I feel like if Quay Walker can take away Swift, and if Devondre Campbell and Quay Walker can can neutralize Jamal Williams, which I have nothing against Jamal Williams. I still love that guy. I still watch all his interviews, and I still laugh just like he wears green and gold because he is a phenomenal human being. Yes. I'm just not cheering for him on Sunday. So Yeah. That's like, hey, I love you. I hope you suck. (laughs) I'm sure you guys will see him out there dancing pregame. Yeah. I hope that him and Jones get together and dance together. That's one thing that I really hope happens. (laughs) Robert said, speaking of Jamal, he kind of called out the Vikings on the cleats in an interview. That's and Spofford said that too. Like guys are usually going out pregame and testing that stuff out. Sorry that we're not playing on turf. We're not going to. We had two guys tear ACLs on turf. So, oof, still hurts. Yes, it does. It's annoying. Um, and David kind of started to touch on my key to victory, or not my key to victory, my matchup that I'm watching, and it's Kenny Clark versus the interior offensive line. Now Bryant already kind of mentioned Frank Ragnow is questionable, but either way, for me, it's going to be. You know, carrying confidence from the previous games into this against a better offensive line and just saying, hey, these guys are still football players and I'm still Kenny Clark. So I'm going to get the football. 
So for me, I was watching Kenny Clark against the interior offensive line. Uh, Bryant, what is your matchup? Uh, Jake hit it. Um, I'm definitely interested in, I think, uh, Quay Walker and Campbell versus Williams and Swift. The Lions offensive line is going to open holes up, right? Um, so linebackers, need, we need our linebackers there to fill those um, gaps so we can make sure um, we don't let them run wild and control the clock and then be ready for Swift in the screen game is what I wrote down. So I definitely agree with Jake there. Our middle linebackers, um, one of which did not play against Detroit, we need to we need them to play their best games. Simon, what's your matchup? Yeah, you stole mine. It, it, I, I didn't specifically say Kenny Clark, but also coming off a huge game – um, TJ Slayton had to, I'm just looking at the D line as a whole to really slow down their rushing attack. I will say though, for as good as they're such a weird team on the polarization of how they perform at home versus how they perform away, even rushing the ball they're the difference of average yards per carry. was like 5.3 to 3.8 home and away. And that is just so weird to me how they can fluctuate that much home and away. And I I mean, I don't think they warriors of the NFL. Yeah. It's just so they're used to playing on that fast track in Detroit. I don't know. It's just, you don't usually see a rushing attack have such a, that's a big discrepancy. Yeah. Discrepancy. That's the word I was looking for. Gotcha. Um, Tyler with all the assists. Yeah, dude, he's just fucking wobbling them up for <laughs> yeah, us. I just know, I know everything. So I don't know words. So. There's a reason his nickname is Encyclopedia in our <laughs> chat. See, I told you guys. I told you this guy, so, this guy knows everything. That is, that is something I'm looking forward to. And I love Jamal Williams. I just hope he doesn't break the record. Oh. Yeah, I don't want him to get to rushing touchdowns. <laughs> I mean, it's our target time, and it's another 41 to 17. Sure. Win, oh, yeah. Okay if that. that's yeah. the case, go for it. A little if it's bit a 41 to 3. Huh? A little part of me kind of wants. I, him to I, I know. I feel you on this. Would you rather him break the record or us be playing a, another game in the year? I mean, come on, that's not really a no, question, is it? But if you're going to attack a portion of their offensive line, it's going to be the interior. Mm-hmm. I think Preston Smith and Igbari are going to struggle a little bit this game uh, with uh, with their tackles playing as good as they are. Bernard said Stephen A. Smith was worked up over Aaron Rodgers. I, I don't mean, care. Fuck Stephen A. Smith. He was. He almost had a heart attack. <laughs> so, you know, I think this is going to be potentially, you know, Simon, you're talking about it, about Enigbari and Preston Smith. They're going to have a tough time. I want to say two things about that. One, I think we could see a couple more Quay Walker blitzes um, because even if you're disguising call him it, in a call blitz. It now. And, yeah, I mean, I, 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 got, I got Quay Walker in my Simon Says. So Let's we'll get go. there. Um, you know, Quay Walker is a guy that can catch up to Jared Goff, even if he starts five yards off the line of scrimmage. And then the other thing is, this is going to be a test of, of Joe Barry. This is going to be an audition for him to mix up plays and seeing if their defense can match up against a pretty solid offense. Um, so I, I want to throw both of those things out there. But I want to talk about Keyshawn Nixon. Because I know it's a hot topic, and I know it's so easy to say because of how good he's been to say, imagine if he was returning kicks for the entire year. Now, I want to bring this up. Bernard, I don't know why people hate Rodgers. I think it's – honestly, I think it's because they don't like him as a person, so they choose not to like him as a football player. But 
you can separate the two. You could like him as a football player and not like him as a person. Totally okay to do that. Now, I want to talk about Keyshawn Nixon and this mindset of, well, imagine if he had been returning kicks all season. Because that right there proves that you can see something that has gone from a negative to a positive, and you can still focus on the negative, which means you can do the opposite. You can see things that aren't working well and you know perceived negatives, and you can still choose to focus on the positive. This goes to show that because people are doing the opposite. You can focus on positives even in situations where things are not going the ideal way. That's why I wanted to talk about Keyshawn Nixon. Because it's so easy to just say, imagine if he had been returning kicks all year, we'd have this many more wins. That's all hindsight. Shoulda, coulda, woulda. Exactly. We're here where we are now, and it's working well now. Focus on the positive. You're capable of it. I believe in you if you're watching our show that you can focus on the positives instead of choosing to focus on the negatives. Everybody's capable of it. Even you, Brian. <laughs> Thank you. And your and your Twitter idol. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jake, we asked this question last week, and I talked about it. But let's talk about it this week. Who is the pressure on? Who is the pressure on? Well, in my opinion, I really I th- I feel like the pressure's on us. To be honest with you. I mean, if you go into this game, <laughs> David said, unless it's saying facetious, <laughs> you should you should hate David. He brings it up more than I do. He brings it up more than anybody else. To be honest, with you. Simon worked that into the show on his own today. He didn't even. I did that. Yeah, this. yeah what what a dickhead! What a home <laughs> um, Kick him in while he's down. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I think it's on on the Packers, right? Um, if you go into this game. And Seattle wins, and you know Detroit has nothing to play for. There, <laughs> he says, "My bad, Bryant." I don't know if you can see the comments, Bryant. No, I'm good. I'm. I'm he says, "My bad, Bryant." Funny, I don't care. I made but fun of myself think, about it. I can never say that word right. <laughs> I, I give the pressure to to Green Bay. Um, all the pressures on Green Bay. We're the bigger market uh, in terms of like fan following. Um, we have the MVP quarterback. And we apparently have the cockiest fans in the league from everything I've been reading on Twitter. So, mm, yeah. Weird. Yeah. It's almost like people have never interacted with Cowboys fans or Vikings fans or. Or Boston in general. Boston, <laughs> dude. Like, in general. <laughs> like, I, like, I don't like interacting with Chicago fans because they're dumb. Well, I don't know if I've ever interacted with a more unpleasant fan base than anybody from Boston. Oh, yeah, that's They're right there one. with Philly with me. But... And yeah, Philly is definitely up there on the list as well. All right. So, Brian, talk about Brian Gudikins. You wanted to give him credit, and I want to throw a name in there too when you're done talking. Yeah. So, we've talked about this a few times on the show. Everyone complaining, like, I don't know why. They're complaining that you do roster turnover in season and are always mm-hmm. looking to improve. We've seen people complain about this, but I just want to talk about four of the people he signed um, that and some, some in season, at least one in season that had a huge impact on just on this last week's game. And um, we'll, you know, obviously through the season too, but especially hopefully this week as well. Think about this down Levitt. Yeah. He got beat on that block punt. I know I was like, why would you pick it up and run to the one? 
But if you watch the play, he got blown up by two players, got knocked on the ground. Mm-hmm. He got up and still beat them to that ball, kept it out of the end zone. He could have laid there and watched them walk that in for a touchdown. He didn't mm-hmm. put the effort forth. And look what happens. We stop them. They only get three. The very next drive, we watched Keyshawn Nixon run 105 yards back for a touchdown. Okay. Rudy Ford signed mm-hmm. as a special teams player. He had an interception this game. Yep. Okay. Hollins had Justin a sack. Hollins, that's the guy that I wanted Hollins to bring up. Hollins had a I'm sack this game. And he's had two and a half sacks since joining us five weeks ago. He so contained Jalen Hurts pretty well, honestly, in the Eagles game. Yeah. Yeah. So everyone that's complaining like about Goody, this dude is a wizard when it comes to higher getting like low level signs. You're still seeing Rasul Douglas is yeah, he's had an up and down season. We've talked about him being cooked a little bit this year, but look what he's done the last two uh, games. He still has like four or five picks on the season. So um, these players that he's been signing and bringing in, and people, and not to—that's not even giving talking about the draft class he had this last year. We've already yeah. talked about that. Like, think about this roster and what Brian Kudigan has just done it for just this year with the draft and the people he brought in. And people are still calling for his head and for him to be fired. Is insane to me. So I just wanted to give credit to Goody because um, those players all had huge impact plays, and we don't, we don't for sure we probably you know we don't blow them blow that team out without them. And mm-hmm. we're looking at maybe Keyshawn. They're either going to talk. They're going to either be kicking the ball short because they don't want to kick to him, or he's going to have a chance to break another one. We're going to see meaningful snaps from Dallin Levitt on special teams. Same with Rudy Ford and Rudy Ford on defense. Justin Hollins is going to be our third pass rusher this game going into Detroit. Who wants to say he doesn't make another play? So I just wanted to give him a shout out and give him a little bit of credit. For sure. Well, I, would even, credit. I would even go and throw Eric Wilson in there too. With the first game that he played, he blocked a field goal. Yep. Yep. So he blocked a punt. It's a good name too. Oh, punt. Yeah, sorry. I'm pretty sure he's still playing for us on the special teams, right? He still is playing on special teams. Yep. yep. All right, Jake. You and I are going to be at the game on Sunday. What's the weather going to be like? <sighs> so Cold. it's going to be 20 degrees, but the real feel is January 8 degrees. Um, <laughs> and the winds are going to be west northwest at 10 miles per hour. But it's going to be it's going to be real chilly, and hopefully Lambo is going to be really really loud. I'm, I'm okay with it being cold as long as it's not super windy. I can handle that. I'm just going to tell you right now, I gave my stepson the okay to just scream for three hours. I said, I hope you scream for three oh, yeah. hours because you know what that means to me the rest, the, be quiet the rest of the week. You're, yes, exactly. I was like, you ain't going to be talking much the rest of the week. So. <laughs> Brian's, Brian's like, that's a great idea. I should put my kids in front of the TV and tell them to scream the whole game. Gonna, <laughs> those kids are going to learn some new swear words. This is gonna... <laughs> oh, he knows all the swear words. He sees me on Sundays. <laughs> so I'm right. a different person during the game. Yeah, we know. That's why we can't live stream games. <laughs> <laughs> all because of Bryant. <laughs> all right, Simon, what's your key to victory for the Packers? I just read what Bryant wrote. <laughs> this is why we can't have nice things. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just uh, slowing down their offensive uh, firepower, to be honest. They just have so many weapons on offense. And that's, I mean, that's. You slow down their offense, their defense is super susceptible. I'm looking I'm looking forward to watching our third down defense. Okay. Jake, what's your key to victory? 
It's going to be the same message I tell nine-year-olds. Play fast and play free. Don't even think about it. Go out there. You know, you already know your job. It's instilled in you, right? And I wanted to bring up something that uh, Rasul Douglas talked about. And he talked about how he has to put his phone down once in a while. He has to put it on silent. DBs are talking so much and communicating on stuff so much that they go through walkthroughs by themselves. So I think that they these guys are locked in. So the thing that really changed for me on defense was the defense looks fast. And that's everything that we heard in the preseason, right? This defense is fast. This defense got speed, speed, speed everywhere, talent everywhere, right? This defense is playing fast, play fast, play free, go get the damn ball and let's score some points and make the playoffs. Then we can shock the world. And Jair even said that in his post-game interview too. He said, I feel like we're just playing fast. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So good point. Yeah, Bill, it is hard to believe the Lions have an offense. It's been, you know, what, 20 years since? I mean, when you suck for so long, eventually you should be it, good, yeah. right? When you spend – Especially the <laughs> Chicago Bears. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Dude, even my grandma on our family Christmas was like, the Bears <laughs> suck. And I was like, Grandma, this is so great that you're saying this. Like, <laughs> <laughs> He's like, yeah, I was 11 years old in 1985, the last time the Bears won one. <laughs> <laughs> Don't pick up my grandma. She's in this right. My key to victory is controlling the line of scrimmage. Just keep it simple. It's just yeah. controlling the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. Um, Bryant, what is your key to victory? Yeah, so I'm just shift a little bit here. I do want to give credit to Barry too. Like a lot of people, are like, oh, they're their offense, their offense, their offense. Go look what we did against that defense did against Detroit in that game. I mean, we only let Goff go for 154 yards or something like that. The running backs didn't run wild. We had a really good game. And Simon mentioned it earlier how the defense played a held game and the offense just let them short. I do want to bring this up to um, my my key to victory ultimately would be time of possession and running the ball. But last game against uh, Detroit, Campbell was out with an injury. Watson and Dobbs combined for three targets. Samari Toure had four targets. So that tells you where it was. DeGuara was our second leading receiver. And Aaron Rodgers was our leading rusher. That is not going to happen this game. So... And two uh, ACL injuries happened in that yeah, game. We lost exactly. Rashawn Gary was towards the end of the game, and Eric Stokes was early, early in the game. So, and yeah, about how Stokes doesn't have that great of a season so far, but that still throws a wrench in everything you're doing for mm-hmm. that game in particular. So, um, I feel like if we go out and play a complete game and play the way we've been playing, we'll be fine. Just don't let them right. keep the ball from you the whole damn game. That's what this is going to be. This is going to be some fun ones. I have two Simon says this week. Um, I think we're going to have some fun Simon says. I'm going to go first. I'm going to give my not so bold one. Well, not so exciting one, I should say. But Kenny Clark gets another strip sack. Is my first one. I'm in. Yes. Brian, what's your (laughs) first one? So mine involves something like that as well. So Aaron, uh, Jared Goff has only been sacked three plus times, three plus times twice all season. The Packers get to him. Make it a third time. Get to him three plus times. I'm trying to think of the last few games. Because uh, we're not like a super. Three if I had to pick. Yeah, if we're going three, I'll take it. Anything over that, I, I think it'd be hard to come by. All right, Jake. What's your first one? Okay, so over the four game win streak, Packers have caused twelve turnovers, eight in the last two weeks. Do they go for the trifecta and cause four turnovers again? That's a good one. You're welcome. That'd be tough. Yeah, I don't. Hey, man, the ball's slippery. They aren't used to playing in the cold, even though they come here once a year, right? Yeah. 
Uh, I, I'm going to say no, but... That's the first time you said no to me in weeks, dude. <laughs> yeah, weeks. four. That's extremely hard to come by. All right. So my second one, I'm really excited about this one, actually. And then Jake sent me the stat this morning. And I'm like, dang it. I was hoping nobody was going to notice that. Quay Walker needs seven to tie eight tackles to break the all-time Packers single-season rookie tackle record. So Quay Walker, eight tackles, breaks the rookie record for tackles. All-time? Or just the Packers? Packers. On the Packers. Oh, okay, on the Packers. I was like, really? I thought I said franchise all-time. Okay. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I could see it. Yeah, I'm in. That's a good one. I like that. Isaiah McDuffie had eight tackles for us last game. Yeah, uh, he did. Did play, you know, we didn't even bring him up. I almost, I almost put him as my underrated performer. I thought about it because no one knew, like you never heard anything about him all game. But he I actually wrote down a handful of like honorable mentions was the offensive line: Darnell Savage, Rasul Douglas, uh, Isaiah McDuffie, Devondre Campbell, and Justin Hollins were some like. You know, we could have done two underrated performers. Team, I mean, still had enough guys to pick from. So one, All right, Brian, two. give me your next one. Okay, so I'm calling for a Romeo Dobbs revenge game. Romeo Dobbs has not oh. had a Romeo Dobbs has not had a um, game over 100 yards yet this season. I uh, have him going for 100 yards and a touchdown. Oh, sign me <laughs> up! You better say yes. You better say yes, or I hate you. I'm interested. I just 100 yards. Got to get a few more drinks with him and do him, and he'll say yes. <laughs> It's all about I'm so glad Spofford's gone. Yeah. <laughs> that was a good one, dude. Uh, good shot, man. I like that. That's funny. Oh, man. I can't get 100 yards. No, I, I, I don't think so. What about 75 yards and a touchdown? Mm-hmm. I'll negotiate you down a little. <laughs> yeah, I'll take that. I mean, what about 69 yards and a touchdown? <sighs> I'm in. Could have just gone down to that. Yeah, that's how you negotiate. Or a 69 yard touchdown. Was it that stupid meme? The the negotiator. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Jake. Give me your last one. All right. I don't really care, and we already talked about it. But because Stephen A. brought it up, I wanted to ask: Rogers throws for 300 yards. Mm. I only had one until I saw that. I don't think so, to be honest. I don't, I don't think so either. I don't care as long as we win. So yeah, I just I, the way this uh, this offense is going, because even the, the Cowboys the game were the Vikings. The Lions are susceptible to the run as well. So yeah, like, that's the problem. Take... I think we're going to run the ball too much for Rodgers to air it out. And I feel like if Aaron Rodgers is throwing for three hundred plus for playing a game, we don't want to be playing. I think so true. too. I agree with mm-hmm. that. I think All you're right, so that I, I got one. My score prediction okay. a little bit, but. Our defense holds Detroit to less than 300 yards of offense. I'll say yes. I, I see think it. it's possible. They're horrible on the if road. We, if They're we shut hell, down, they are. Yeah, if we shut down, they've been real. So they've been horrible collectively on the season, but the last several games, they've they have played pretty well on the road. So no, they had garbage stats against the Panthers, and I'm not That's listening true. to anybody. Yeah, they, yeah. That that game was way out of hand before they started they really getting it going. Yeah. Bill asked for one. Bill said Jones goes for 125 and two touchdowns. I'm in. 
I, I think I love if Jones. There's a team you can do it against. It's gotta be the line. I, I love Jones. If I wouldn't game. have used Aaron, if I wouldn't use Jones and Dylan 80 plus in a touchdown each last week as one of my bold predictions, I would have repeat. I should have repeated it this week because I, 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 I think we could have. I think we could have close to 180, 180-ish yards Rush between the two. Okay. It'll be one of those games where they get like 30 some touches. I'm fine, fine with me. <laughs> fine with me. <laughs> I'm not for that. All right, Simon, give me your score prediction from the head. All right. I do, like I said, I do think uh, Dan Campbell is going to have his team rolling. I think they're going to come in fired up. I think this is going to be a really close game. I'm going to have a Mason Crosby walk off field goal for the win 30 27. Oh, I'd be so happy. Jake, what's your score prediction from the head? I went 28-21. Ooh, dangerously close. Brian, what's yours from the head? I was just one off from Spoff and Aaron. Uh, Aaron, I mean, uh, Simon kind of stole my my prediction. I have we us going 27-24, to 24, though. Damn, we're all really close. I have 28-23, to 23, three field goals and two touchdowns for the Lions. Ooh. All right, Simon. Last score prediction of the regular season. Yep. Give me your score prediction from the heart. All right. I, I think we could absolutely demolish the Lions at home. I think it's very possible this team craps the bet on the road and our team fires up, the crowd's fired up. I got 31 to 17. And it won't even it won't be as close either. Yeah. It'll be like one of those games down. where like get out of my like, head. <laughs> they got, you got, is that what you got no i have one touchdown more at 28 to 24 but it won't be that close yeah i, I just or 38 I, to 24, I, this could sorry. be a game or even last week it was like 41 to 17 but it was still not that close yeah. i think this could be a similar game where if the defense plays up to what it's been playing and the offense take care takes care of the ball i think we could absolutely demolish this team by two or three possessions i almost said three possessions but Jared Goff's been playing pretty well lately, yeah. so I, I put whittled it down to two. That's fair. Um, Robert said twenty-seven twenty. Bill said twenty-seven twenty-four from the head, thirty-one seventeen from the heart. That's Let's go, Bill. I'm down. Um, Jake, what is your score prediction from the heart? So, like Simon, um, I think that we're going to play really, really big ball control offense. I think they're going to the running backs are going to touch the ball a bazillion times. I do think that we will take a couple deep shots, and mm-hmm. I do think that some might be to Romeo Dubs because teams are really starting to roll coverage over to, to Watson. Yeah. So with that being said, I'm predicting – like I didn't even put this in my assignment says. I'm like straight up predicting this. Another defensive touchdown. So I got 35-20. <laughs> we had to get one of them. Get out of my head. I was going to say, so, one of us has to match. Yeah, it had to happen, buddy. Sorry. Anybody want to take a guess of what my score prediction from the heart was? 35-20. Oh, good guess. <laughs> read so nothing. You're really good at reading body language, Jake. <laughs> was it the middle finger that gave it away? <laughs> yeah, it must have been. <laughs> last oh score God. predicted from the year and Jake vultures it from me. Uh, it's not the last of the year. Let's calm down. I said regular yeah. season. Regular oh, okay. Season. Bernard said 24-17. I think we all, a lot of from the head, feel like Lions will play hard enough to keep this close. But I, I think we so. also, if the team is going to get blown out, I know I've said this in the past, like if team's going to get blown out, I think it'd be the Packers getting blown out earlier in the season. I think if team gets blown out this week, it's going to be the Lions. 
Yeah. Bernard said 24-17 from the head, 35-17 from the heart. So either way, Bernard's got the uh, Lions scoring 17 points. I think if the Lions score 17 points, regardless of what the Packers do, they win that game. Whether it's getting touchdowns or field goals or some of both. Either way, I think that both well. People need to try not to get discouraged if they come out and punch us in the mouth because the last yeah, two times we played in Lambeau, they've punched us in the mouth in the first half. Yep. Well, I feel like that's kind of been the last few games a little bit too. Yeah. Is like we've seen the other team come out and it's like, ooh, like that's not a good way to start the game. And then yeah, things just get Miami. better. Yeah, Miami yep. game, it looked Chicago. over after the fumble. Uh, I mean, the block punt by the Vikings. Yep. Yeah, yep. the Bears game. I mean, this team does not always start off well. So don't, yeah, like you said, don't get discouraged in the first quarter. If I see the Packers fan page after the first quarter, it's just nothing but crying every time. Do you want to know what's really crazy about what you just said? It's it's crazy that there's 60 fucking minutes in an NFL game. Yeah, weird. Like that that is that is fucking nuts, dude. Like I couldn't believe that when I figured that out that when you play the whole game, it's 60 minutes. So what happens in the first five fucking seconds? It matters, but it, it does not determine if you win or fucking lose. So let's fucking calm down, okay? I'm getting really pissed off at this shit. You're the one that needs to calm down. No, yeah. this shit is really annoying, dude. Take 20% off. It's really annoying. Uh, yeah. Bill said, I honestly think our defense is going to be sticking people. I mean, the momentum Man. is totally trending in that direction over the last four weeks, five weeks. So is there anything else you guys want to throw out, say about this game? I'm so pumped. Oh, man. Everybody at once. All right. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can genuinely ask. Yeah. yeah, you didn't. Hey, go pack. Oh, we got one. I mean, we got five more wins to go, right? So, yeah. We've been in playoff mode for weeks. So, this team is ready. True. It's true. Yeah, it's been winner, winner, go home for five weeks. So, all right, guys. I'm sure we'll talk on Sunday. Go Packers. Thank you, everybody, for commenting along with us. And thank you, Mike Spofford, again for joining us. Uh, hopefully, yes, we are joined by him again next Friday talking about a playoff matchup. So, I will talk to you guys on Sunday. Again, thanks everybody for commenting along. Bill is the GOAT. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. 
book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.